and hello everyone live out there. Uh, this is Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. And we are bidding a fond and a heartfelt so long farewell to our good friend Theodore Lasso. I'm Jeremy Geckner. Here with me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Craig McFarland. How you doing, man? Have you recovered yet? Oh my goodness, what a late night Apple provided <laughs> us with last night. Holy moly, what was with all of that, Apple? Come yeah, on, what come are you on. doing to us? <laughs> not nice, not nice by any means, but definitely well worth the wait. I The only bone I have to pick is that like literally right in the middle of the game, like our internet went out, so I had to figure out a way to finagle all of our wires together so that we could finish the episode, but man, oh man, oh man. Lots to get to, everyone. Lots and lots to get to with this episode as we uh, bid farewell to Ted Lasso. But before that, as always, um, and if you're joining us live, thank you so, so much out there on Facebook or on YouTube. Um, joining us for this because there's a lot of stuff that we're going to have to get to. But as always, we have to do our housekeeping first, even here on the finale episode, which does, of course, include um, your reviews that you took the time to write in. But uh, before that, Craig, we do want to draw some special attention to uh, a guy who's been on the network a lot of times, who's had some hardships recently. Um, Quite amazingly, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about that and how they can help? Absolutely. So uh, our good friend Tristan to the Front Row Network, you would have heard him if you really followed along with me on my Beyond the Mouse show. That or but Guilty Pleasures is, as well. Yeah, yeah he's also pleasures. been on our Guilty Pleasures show as well. But Tristan is a great friend of our network. And uh, some of you in the United States may have heard about the national news that was made in the Quad City area. This is an area that I am very familiar with. It's where I was raised. And in the Quad Cities, there was a building that collapsed in Davenport, Iowa. Mm-hmm. It happens to be that that building is uh, and was the home of Tristan's small independent theater. Yeah. And so what we want to do is make sure that we uh, give him all the love that we can and also all the support that we can. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and drop a link into the chat uh, for the YouTube, the live video. I'm also going to share a link on our YouTube page, and we're going to put a link to the GoFundMe uh, account in our show notes as well. Tristan isn't quite sure exactly what direction he's going to be going, but what he has told me, I've reached out to him and he said that this GoFundMe was uh, set up by one of his friends. And what he wants to do is make sure that the residents that are affected by this tragedy in Davenport are also supported. So really you're kind of supporting all of the residents here. And I'd really love for the Lasso community to kind of show up uh, for him and for all of these people that are going through this kind of tragedy in my hometown. It's really kind of crazy that this happened. Uh, a lot of questions as to what what's going on. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of digging into that. But uh, for the moment, we would just love it if you can go ahead and jump out there and make sure you're supporting them as well. So I'm like I said, I'm going to go ahead and put the link in the chat. And then also we'll share it around for sure when we share this uh, as well. Okay, absolutely. Tristan's an amazing guy. His wife, Savannah, is amazingly talented as well, a theatrical performer. Um, And uh, yeah, that theater was amazing and and, um, just a really big tragedy. So any way that you can help, even if it's not monetarily, send them some love over your social media try to just get the reach of this GoFundMe out there maybe just share it out if you can't afford to give anything um, but let's uh, let's show the lasso love and, and show some support there for um, a really really great uh, couple of people there that need some help so um, alright everyone but now we're going to get into you our loving listeners here who decided to take the time to write in for us um, I'm going to lead it off here uh, from some Apple reviews um, Lisa Cerezo uh, wrote in absolutely love the podcast I found myself subscribed to 
number of Ted Lasso podcasts. I'm a bit obsessed. And um, actually, I think we read this one last week, but I'm going to read it again because he said that we are their favorite. They love all the talking points um, and that she goes out of her way to make sure that she listens uh, to our show. So thank you very much, Lisa, for those kind words. Craig, you got the next? I'd say uh, Lisa is someone that's active now in our Facebook page, so it's totally fine to mention her twice exactly. on the show. Exactly, two-time so Lisa. <laughs> the, one of the newer ones that I thought, uh, I believe, is they they wish they found this sooner from I Am Patman 9 It says, fellas, this is a fantastic podcast full of wit and humor. I feel like I'm sitting down with friends and listening to all the great moments of Ted Lasso. Since finding it late last week, oh. I've been going through the archives <laughs> to listen, especially to the spe- special episodes, an absolute must-listen for any Ted Lasso fan. So yeah. thanks so much there. Absolutely. The next one, I love Channing Tatum, exclamation point. Hey, don't we all, man? Um, thank you, Craig and Jeremy, for this podcast. Like many others, Ted Lasso has changed my life for the better. Listening to this podcast on Wednesdays on the way to and from work helps my prolong the Lasso awesomeness after I've finished watching the episodes. Your voices have been uh, become just as familiar and comforting to me as Ted. Come on now, you people. Thank you for all you do with this show. Thank you very much, and uh, g- good luck with your love of Channing Tatum. Absolutely. Who doesn't love Channing Tatum? So uh, <laughs> this is from Three Boys PML. It just says, love with a space and then an exclamation point. So, you know, it's serious. And it says this podcast is just what I needed to get me through season three. Great job. Now, Jeremy, I think the next one is directed directly at you. Yeah, I have to read this one, guys. Look, we always say we're going to read the reviews, even if they're bad ones. So we got a one star review here from IDC.1008. Mysterious name there, but the title is Why Is He Always Laughing? I'm assuming he means me, Craig, because you don't laugh at all. Um, I would love this show if that guy didn't laugh through the entire two hours at things that are just kind of funny. I have a lot of questions about this review because yes, I do laugh a lot. You know, laughing is, is good for your soul, man. Like go and watch Patch Adams or something. Um, yeah um just kind of funny it's a subjective thing dude what you find funny is you know what other people find funny you know what here's the thing you took the time to write this in which means that you thought enough about me to tell me how much you hated me and that means a lot okay that means a lot to me idc.1008 so thank you very much and enjoy the laugh for the next hour and a half Absolutely. And I love that you kept laughing during that during as well. It. That's I just so not. great. Yeah. It's it's really just on brand for you, buddy. So yeah. uh, I should mention that we also are starting to get a lot of people in the live chat as well. So make sure you chat along with us. So Ooh, Brian, yeah. Brooke, Allison, thanks so much for watching along. I see that there's quite a few people already watching along. So join in that chat as we go along here. This one says too many Tedisms. So this is a four-star review. It says, I really enjoy this podcast, but one suggestion, don't leave so much for the last part, the Tedisms. It's very frustrating to hear you all say, this is very good, but I'll leave it for the Tedisms. (laughs) And we do that a little bit. And in fairness, this is technically our last recap show. And so, I mean, you know, like, I guess we can really work on it for this episode for you. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll do better on that one. Uh, All right. Martha 607 wrote in, uh, love the perfect way to continue Ted Lasso love I also appreciate the breakdown of the show especially when I'm not using the subtitles thank you for all the content Craig and Jeremy well thank you Martha absolutely love peanut butter and biscuits uh oh that was Martha you just read that one I did this one okay this one is close uh, is close to my heart I just met this individual this is uh, from A McCurdy I believe that's Andrew McCurdy uh from Kansas City and he said thank you we always feel so great after watching a Ted Lasso episode thanks for keeping up the good vibes rolling and breaking down each episode you both do a great job dissecting the episode and we love all the interviews with the cast members hashtag barbecue sauce hashtag 
Go Pack Go. Hell we got a Packers yeah. fan out there. Packers fans unite. We are going to need it this year. All right. Dancing Camper put up here. Mucho, mucho joy. Ted Lasso is just about my favorite thing on earth right now. And this podcast is a great way to squeeze extra Ted into my week. Thank you, Craig and Jeremy, for the excellent recaps and analysis. I'm enjoying the Facebook community podcast. Yes, everyone, please go join that. Um, has brought together as well. Thank you also for ditching the spoiler alert sound effect. Hey, you know what? Again, we we, we take your feedback, guys. We do this. Uh, and for welcoming Viking fans like me and Bears fans, Lion fans, and all other American football fans to your decidedly non-Packers focused podcast. And she even signed it, Michelle. So fantastic dancing camper, Michelle there. Um, welcome to the show. Got a couple more, I think. I saw that there's one that popped up on mine that didn't on yours, Jeremy, from uh -huh. Aldo Hoff. Yeah. Uh, it says, great pod, fun guys, lots of great info, well-researched and smartly done. And then do we just have one more? Is that finally it I've got uh, for two these more. reviews this I week? Got, I got two more here. One from our good friend Mitch Ladd uh, over at the Geek Awakens podcast who said, longtime listener, first-time reviewer. Craig and Jeremy do a wonderful job recapping the episodes as well as adding their own perspective to the story. On more than one occasion, they've pointed out things I've missed while watching. Mostly these guys give the same energy and vibe as Ted Lasso does. Mm, man, I can't deal with that. And I think, what, do you have the mega waffle here? I do, but before I do, I should say, you said Mitch Ladd of The Geek Awakens. Mitch is another Springfield, Illinois yes. uh, podcaster. We love him to death. So definitely go and make sure you check out his show, mucho, The Geek mucho Awakens. Joy. The last one that I have, it says, all great, unlike a holiday Hallmark film <laughs> uh, from M a My Ego Waffle. It says, I'm so happy I found this podcast. I've been a Lasso fan since episode one, but didn't realize all the nuances and cultural references I was missing out on until I listened to these in-depth breakdowns and midly the accents and my emotional attachment to the characters <laughs> got in the way. I love that. The guys analyze this in such a way that reminds me how brilliant the writing and the acting truly is. So thank you. Um, that's all that we had for the reviews. Before we jump into this, I just think that, you know, there is going to be a lot of people, I think, that probably undoubtedly will jump off our show after this episode. Uh, we Good do want to let you know that we will continue this on. And actually, I think I'm ready to announce our fun summer project, uh, perhaps, if you're OK with that, Jeremy. But yeah. before I do that, before I, I just teased it a little bit, before I do that. I will just want to say thank you so much for the listens. Mm. Thank you so much for the feedback. And if this happens to be the last time you're listening to our voices, just thank you for the opportunity to uh, be in your ears for these last few years uh, doing the show. We have a great network of shows, the Front Row Network. Go and check all of those out. Uh, and Jeremy... We're going to keep this thing going for a little bit, aren't we? We're going to continue with some interviews. Yes, we actually have hey. a great interview scheduled next week yes. with AJ Cataline and Melissa and McCoy. Mel. You hear about us talking to them all the time. So that'll be a Ted Lasso interview. And then uh, what about this new uh, kind of fun thing we're going to be bringing to the show as well? Are you do you are you OK if I announce that? I think I mean, it's your show, man. You should. <laughs> so. It's my show. I guess it is true. I mean, back in the day, it was my show. So. We all know that the writing staff of Ted Lasso and the writing staff of Shrinking uh, is very similar. And so we are happy and proud to announce that we are going to continue on this very feed a show called PB&B Shrinks. Shrinks. And we're going to continue this along with breaking down some shrinking episodes for you as well as we prepare to get into season two. And hopefully maybe we'll even talk to our good friend Luke Tenney again as oh, he's yeah. getting ready to go back to filming for season two. So continue uh, to have some peanut butter and biscuits in your life uh, through at least this summer. And then uh, we'll see how it goes from there. Yeah, we're still going to go on our cruise 
excited to get Jason Sudeikis on this show someday, uh, maybe after he's done winning Emmys. Um, but either way, it'll be like two years from now. <laughs> They'll be like, hey, a new episode. Um, all right, guys. Look, you've been patient. You've been loving. And uh, I echo what Craig said there. We love you all so, so much. But we got an episode to get to, man. And it's got some packed stuff. So you ready, Craig? I'm I'm ready. Uh, good luck uh, to everyone. This is going to be a long one. Here it goes. Here we go, everyone. Get ready. Right. As we've done in many episodes past, we are opening up on Soccer Saturday. Um, our good friend Gary is here with the return of legendary French soccer player Thierry Henry. Um, and he's basically t- saying the Premier League has come down to the last match of the season. Richmond will win the league if Man City ties or loses in their match against Liverpool. And, of course, we all knew th- this had to happen. Richmond will, of course, be playing the dastardly West Ham uh, in their final match here. Uh, we also learned, though, that Rupert is in some hot water because he's been caught having an affair again of course miss cakes and uh bex was there at rebecca's door at the end of the last episode um and pretty much now it's all out in the open it looks like bex is is uh divorcing rupert again um and uh he's in some hot water in fact he might get out of the entire uh club altogether here so craig before we get into the rest of this and the total mind f that was this the beginning of the senior what do you think of uh just like the kind of setup for what we have on the pitch uh, as the final episode here yeah, I got to tell you, I love that they started with Soccer Saturday. They've done that several times throughout this season, and it kind of helps uh, build that narrative as we go into it. But also, you know, we talked about it. We said that Man City really had to be the white whale, right? Yeah. But they did get a chance to defeat them in the penultimate episode. They at least redeemed themselves there. Now, of course, we're going to find out a little bit later that maybe the Premier League was just out of grasp for uh, our <laughs> beloved Greyhounds this season. But I think it makes sense that it has to be West Ham in this spot and once they beat man city last week we knew that they weren't going to immediately come back and play man city again right so i think all of us were predicting now uh apple media put out some tweets about midday yesterday (laughs) and it showed that they were going to be playing west ham united and of course the internet uh go afire with that and (laughs) i got to tell you later on the episode but i called george being the the manager of west ham you did you did very very good there and uh, you know in our effort to not give away or not hold tedisms for the end i just love that as rebecca's watching this we get the callback back to the beard after hours episode where she tells Thierry Henry to shut up (laughs) (laughs) Which might be, that needs to be a Patrick shirt. That needs to be one of the Patrick shirts. Just shut up, Thierry Henry. (laughs) Can I put out a disclaimer here at the very beginning of this episode? They basically went back and they kind of Easter egged almost the entire, the entire series. And so if... I miss something in this next two hours of breaking this down. I sincerely apologize. Please be curious and not judgmental when you come at me and tell me there that I go. missed a bunch of Easter eggs. But it is really cool that they kind of went back and they they made they made sure to wrap up some of these or bring back some of these Easter eggs and kind of self-referential in a way that I really loved of this finale. There's so yeah. much of that going on. No, that's a really good point there, Craig, because that's what I noticed watching 
watching this the second time. This li- this episode literally is a recap of the whole series. They call back so many little things from every individual episode of this series. Um, and it really does kind of feel like, as you're watching it, this encapsulation of what we've all experienced. I mean, like, down to just very minute little things, like Roy behind Keeley's trunk, you know? Like, that's like season one stuff, you know? With, like, uh, Beard paying off the bet with Ted and everything. Like, that's season one stuff. Like, really long-term storytelling, but just gets us into, you know the sense that we're like remembering nostalgia, remembering everything that we've been through before pressing onward. So, um, but let's talk about this because I know Tori and the rest of the uh, Ted Becca people were freaking out at our next instance here because Ted walks into the kitchen, Rebecca's kitchen in his PJs. And there is a palpable awkwardness happening here. She says that she doesn't want to talk about it yet. And we're all drawing the obvious conclusions here. (laughs) Okay. I know you are Craig. I got to tell you, like uh, I, I, a full gasp happened when that happened, when he walks into the scene. And then especially when he's like, so do you want to talk about it? Yeah. You know, of course, he's talking about leaving the team and that's what he wants to talk about. We find that out later. But this was just completely I mean, this I, is just I wanted messing to. With I didn't, us, right? This is just them messing with us. I didn't know at what point in the episode Tori was, you know, because she's on the East coast. I wanted to text her and just do kind of a, a wellness check on her and see that everything was okay. Uh, but this was, come on, come on writers. They knew exactly they what they knew were doing. Exactly here. what they're doing here. And we're all drawing that same conclusion until beard walks in in his very strange thong underwear. Um, Jane also walks in uh, wearing one of Rebecca's blazers as a dress. And we learned that there was a deadly gas leak uh, in the neighborhood that has them all staying over at Rebecca's. And of course you're right. Ted, this is where we learn that Ted is in fact returning to the U S and not coming back. Um, I love once again, a callback to season two, the maid walks in on a very like weird, situation here says that she's going to start cleaning uh the guest rooms but beard and jane run after her um literally saying something along the lines just like those ropes aren't garbage so again don't really want to get too much into like the sexual machinations of beard and jane but clearly they're into some weird stuff here um and that is when we are queuing our credits so craig this is a very meta thing already here all right not only just the fact that they're messing with the ted becca ships and stuff like that but This really is, I don't know about you, but I was starting to get a sense right here, right away. Like this episode is going to have to be some therapy for all of us viewers because they're basically walking us through like this, like the steps of grief here in this episode. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, I, I do think actually I'll, I'll mention uh, chats as we go along here. Brooke said that the gas leak seemed like a little bit of a forced thing there, but (laughs) it, it does seem like, you know, they, I mentioned earlier in the season that I thought that in a lot of times they were talking to the audience uh, and talking to us. They put out a teaser for this uh, finale just before the finale aired. Actually, Christo put it on his reel as well. And it was, again, the Stone song. You can't always get what you want. And so, uh, you know, that I I think that like they understood that they had a lot to do to be able to land this plane. And so I just thought that uh, I could tell from the very beginning that they've been playing with our emotions on this whole season versus series finale. Yeah. But at least seven months ago when they filmed this thing, 
I believe in my heart that they thought that this was the series finale. I mean, if yeah. you look at uh, Beard bringing it up, up right away, this is the last time we're going to be doing this. That's not just saying this is the last time we're all going to be in Rebecca's apartment <laughs> and, and the first time. He's saying that to the audience, that this is the last time we're going to be waking up like this because Ted is going to be leaving. Yeah. And so there was so many moments of like that throughout the entire hour and 15 minutes that I really, in my heart of hearts, I can't see any way when they were filming this that they thought this was going to be a season finale and not a series finale. Um, and we we got that great story by James Lance uh, when he came on to the show yeah. and he talked about Ted talking or Ted talked about Jason yeah. Same bringing person. everybody together. Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, that Jason gave this kind of rah-rah speech, much like Ted Lasso and said, kind of go out to the world, go out to your next projects. And so mm -hmm. again, uh, we might get more Ted Lasso. Who knows? Apple certainly wants it. I think that the season stuff versus the series stuff was a little bit cute by half, but uh, <laughs> it's clear that this was written as a series finale. Yeah. And just take the, take the example of another Bill Lawrence show scrubs land your finale. Awesome. And then just leave it. Um, don't, don't try to go back. Okay. Like if you, if you land the finale, just don't. Um, all right. So back in the locker room, it is time for court. And can we all just appreciate the game of Isaac McAdoo. This outfit is fantastic. A tracksuit judge's robe with the wig combo. Fantastic. I don't know who the costumer on this episode was, but I want that. I want that tracksuit for myself, but he goes to the center of the room uh, with the chair and the uh, Sam announces that it's time for the end of the year fines. Um, and that all of these fines are going to go to the after the year uh, end party at uh, Ola's restaurant there. So the uh, box is the box is brought up though by nate who we learn is now the assistant to the kit man which is a great call back to the office because uh, will calls him of course the uh assistant kit man and he says assistant to the kit man of course great little dwight Schrute call back there um but sam unrolls a scroll a literal scroll to do this which is fantastic here um he finds john moss uh 200 uh, pounds for being late to training he uh finds uh 100 pounds to danny for not texting happy birthday to a teammate on their birthday he does of course appeal because he says he had heart emoji somebody else's They're like danny come on man that doesn't count that does not count nobody looks at that um and then jamie tart for falling asleep during meditation another 200 pounds now i love this little detail here i'm sure everybody was also heartwarmed by it but he gives extra money into this not only his fine and he literally tells nate like to shush up and not tell anybody contrast this with the very first time we see Nate with a box like this and he walks up to Jamie Tart and he's dickish Jamie Tart and he literally shoves gum in that box. Man, yeah, he won't pay three, up. Yeah, the 360 of all of this is just so great. And again, Phil Dunster, if he does not win that Emmy, I am burning the Emmys to the ground. Um, and of course, the final sentence is Isaac, who pronounces 5,000 pounds to Nate for missing every training, every game, and every team dinner. Nate of, is unfazed by this. He's probably got a lot of money from his time as the manager of West Ham uh, says it's fair and now the party will have an open bar and live band karaoke uh, Craig I just love how loose these guys are before their final match of the year it really feels like we are at perfect peak team here 
It, you know, it calls back to those like moments that we had in previous seasons, whether it was Santa McAdoo or it was haircut McAdoo. It really shows you kind of why Isaac McAdoo was chosen by Roy Kent in the first season to be the captain of the team. And he's continued in that role for the past two seasons, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. I think some people like may have thought, OK, well, why wasn't you know, why isn't Jamie Tart the captain? Why isn't Sam Obasanya the captain? But Isaac, I think, is truly the heart and soul of this team and really understands all of the players players in a way. And I I think that that calls back to why he was upset that Colin hadn't come out to him earlier Yeah, because he feels a a personal responsibility for everyone on this team that Isaac really takes this role of captain so seriously. And he also gets to have a little bit of fun with it. Right. (laughs) And so this was just an extremely fun scene. I should mention, I don't know if we, uh, you know, going back to the previous scene, I I know you were kind of rolling along here because this is going to be a long time, but we, you're talking about the costumer, Jackie Levy and uh, bringing some great costumes to our set. What about that thong that uh, Coach Beard was wearing, right? I mean, just uh, on point, uh, Brendan Hunt, way to be you, man. Just way to put it all out there for millions of people to see. Uh, Congrats to you, buddy. That's like those people who like perform the full Monty musical on stage. Like, I don't know how you guys do that. Um, Anyway, um, we cut back out to uh, the parking lot there. Oh, and also just real quick. I love that. Like, it's just like a, a foregone conclusion that Nate is in the family again. You know, because like Isaac taking the time to do that, it's not even just like, it's not a blast on Nate. I think it's him showing Nate is just like you were always a part of this family, even if you weren't here. And now you got to like pay up for ditching us, basically. Like, I just thought that was like a really nice little moment there. And I think that, you know, uh, uh, Nate really kind of had heartfeltness with that. So, um, all right, well, back in the parking lot, Keely is arriving. And um, again, literally the way that they did this in season one, he's Roy is literally hidden behind her trunk um, and scares her in pretty much like the exact same way as in season one there um and we can see that there's still some tension here and there's still some chemistry but he can't quite figure it out um which is very strange um so we cut back inside michelle has texted uh, ted that henry is very excited he's doing like one of those whiplash um things of him like peeling off calendar pages um but then he responds with the uh, ghost gif of Patrick Swayze saying ditto and a fantastic gif everybody should use Um, and then Ted asks where Beard was and he says that Jane shredded his passport to keep him from leaving which is totally on character for Jane and uh, kind of a good move I guess Um, and then uh, we do learn there though that Beard it doesn't matter because he's got triple citizenship in the world the United States the UK and Vatican City baby so (laughs) Trent uh, comes in though and gives Beard and uh, Ted a copy of the book that he's been writing all season long and uh, he wants to get their uh, their thoughts on this and we learn either here or later that this book is called The Lasso Way so Craig what do you think of this little collection of scenes here I just, you know, it it sets up the storyline that everybody kind of knows at this point that Ted's going to be leaving and that uh, he's excited to be going back home to Henry. This, of course, uh, after his mom had come and visited and said, like, hey, your son misses you and Mm -hmm. it's time to for you to go home. And I, I like seeing the play that beard might end up ultimately staying because that was kind of a theory of a lot of fans. They thought if this was going to continue as some kind of spinoff series, maybe coach beard becomes the coach, the manager of Richmond. And of course we find out later that uh, that role is going to go to one Roy Kent uh, (laughs) instead of, to Willis Beard uh, as ah. uh, by the way you keep calling me you keep calling me Ted all the time now I, I got to make sure I call you Willis at some point Willis. in this 
Yeah, it, at some point in this podcast, I at need to make sure least, that I try I to organically yeah, do that. If I say something confusing, you at least just have to say what you're talking about, Willis. So okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I love that. Uh, but I, I I love this. I love that uh, Trent is now going to be kind of turning in his final copy. I don't think we see the lasso way yet. I think no, that I think comes that's later. But when Ted unsure. is going through the manuscript, uh, but still, like we. I mean, you can kind of surmise that that's going to be the title based on that scene that he's so excited about uh, in midway through the season when he's kind of in the tunnel talking about the lasso way and how it took three seasons, but they're all here <laughs> and how it really even changed Trent Krim's outlook uh, on this game and on this sport as yeah. well. So I, I love all of this that we're getting it, like every bit of this finale episode for me was a great payoff mm. um, it, jumping kind of into more of like looking at this finale as a whole, because that's sort of where my mind is at the moment. Um, I, I get it that people might say this was too cookie cutter of a finale, but in a show that likes to subvert expectations all the time, I think a finale is a good place where you have to land that plane and you have to be able to um, give us satisfying resolutions to a lot of these different characters and a lot of these different problems that they've presented us with. And in my mind, that's absolutely what this finale did. And so that's why I, uh, being a, a super fan of the show, having watched this show so many times, having connected with this show, I absolutely love this finale. And uh, it starts right here at the very beginning and just doesn't stop from there. Yeah, I'll, I'll say like, if there's one gripe I will have with it, it's that, but it's not even a real gripe. Uh, it's really just more of kind of like, a, ah, I wish we would have gotten something more there. It's, probably in what we're about to talk about, which is the, you know, tension of Roy and Keeley, um, you know, because so many people wanted them to end up together. Um, I am one of those people, but you know, the simple ending would literally be to have them have a rom-com moment and run into each other's arms and be there. And, you know, they opt for the non cookie cutter version, you know, where we kind of don't know what happens to either of them in terms of romance, but we do know that both of them are more okay with themselves, um, which might be the biggest, more important legacy of the show anyway. Way. Um, but in that vein, Roy, he walks into the office, he's upset, and he asks, how do you know if a girl really likes you? And Roy, my man, you you don't. You never do. You never do. Like, guy either. And of course, whatever. that's a great callback like, to Nate, right? Who's yes. In, you know, like, uh, that we he's back in the family, as you said. Uh, but that's a, a wonderful callback to that. And of course, if no one's done that on Siri yet, I, I imagine it's still live. You really so should, guys. Go and check that out on Siri as <laughs> well. Really good. Really should. Um, so, uh, yeah, I wrote here like, man, Roy, that's the everlasting question. Um, we do get a little brief diamond dog tease, but Roy shuts it down hard. And of course, Beard starts to tear Trent's book apart. I absolutely loved this. Just the nope derivative like um, overly prosaic of course this is what he's gonna say so let's cut to rebecca's office keely tells her that the press is wanting comments from her on rupert's latest scandal she refuses um and even refuses when it's just like oh but higgins and i want to know um and both of them boo her there and everything um so higgins tells him that he's made a candidate a list of candidates to replace ted um and i do love that he says i threw in a basketball coach from new zealand just to spice it up which is a, again a wonderful little meta 
thing there about just like fish out of water stuff. Um, but Rebecca, she is still not ready. Um, so Higgins tells them that they will be uh, entering the Champions League. Again, if anybody wants to know what that is, it's a pretty fantastic thing, but it'll take a little long. But it's a big, big deal, especially for a club that's as about like mid-sized as Richmond is in the Premier League. So that means that they are going to make way more money because they can sell shares of the club now. So basically the way they do this, Rebecca would sell about 49% of the team control. Um, she would keep control of the team, but she would make a ton of cash for new players, for stadium upgrades. Um, Keely comment, uh, comments on the heated seats at Tottenham Stadium, which is Hell yeah, Tottenham has heated seats. Um, he makes a Leslie tells a really bad story about using them one time, and uh, Rebecca basically puts it out there. Well, what if I sell the whole club? Um, and she gives a reason as being, you know, I wanted to screw over Rupert, but I don't care about that anymore. And Higgins estimates it would be around two billion. Um, and we get a very nice little, uh, pardon the language, kids, uh, fuck me statement there that uh, reminded me of the first time she bit into Ted's biscuits. Personally, it sure you? did, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely, a reminder you the first time of biting in the Ted's biscuits. I also want to mention another line that uh, Rebecca has in the scene when talking about the divorce. Her line is, I'm sorry, I just genuinely don't care I just anymore. genuinely don't and like, care, yes. Like, how great is that? This is someone that, like, was pouring over her computer screen and reading all of these gossip magazines, reading every story about Rupert and Bex and uh, old Rebecca versus new Rebecca and all of this. Like, it, she was doing that all of first season, and she couldn't let it go. And now she just says, like, to her closest friends, well, Keely, closest friend, and then closest colleague in Higgins, she just says, I genuinely don't care. I really mm -hmm. don't have an opinion on this. Mm -hmm. How great is that? Yeah. Like, how great of a growth is that for her? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to give her some applause. Yes, Rebecca. There you go. Well done, Rebecca. <laughs> now you're just playing with the soundboard. Hopefully yeah. they can hear it. I can't really hear it on my end, uh, but hopefully right there, uh, the people out there in YouTube land can. So they'll let me know, I'm sure, in just a minute uh, when the chat actually catches yeah, exactly. up to the, the video. Up there. Um, all right, well, back on the pitch. Let's get into some musical theater, my man. Uh, Roy, he whistles quote unquote, practice to a close. Ted says that they didn't want to make a big deal of their last training and of course, but alas, Craig, it is musical number time. We did bye, bye, bye last year. This time we're doing the namesake of the episode. So long, farewell from the sound of music. Um, I'm just going to throw this out to you here real quick, but my thoughts, Tahim and Cola have some pretty nice voices, um, as does Colin. And uh, Christo, he, he hit those high notes pretty good there at the end there. Um, but this is so amazingly heartfelt. Um, I love that Roy, like, mouthed the words to the song. Like, fantastic, of course, because... Maria, as we know, is his favorite Julie Andrews character from earlier in the season. So, of course, he's a Sound of Music fan. Um, and I tell you this, too. Man, watching that whole stadium go nuts at the end of it. So, it of course, is a great callback to when they got Bye 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 correct. But just seeing that expand out into the stands and the fans that are there at training, too, it just really warmed my heart. What about you, man? I loved every bit of it. I love that it started off with Cola and uh, with Tahib, with Sam and uh, Isaac there. And then it ended with Danny Rojas. And, uh, you know, it's just been like, this is where it started to kind of like get me a little bit. Like, I mean, it got me throughout the whole episode, let's be real. But like, like on a personal level, it is wild and I, I get it guys like i'm sorry that i'm like breaking like talking in the recap here but <laughs> it is wild to me that the first two people that we sing see start singing these songs we've talked to we've yeah, talked to I both know, of right? them Jeez. you know and and like those 
kind of moments just kept coming up in this uh, when we got the Mask of Zorro moment after we had just mentioned Mo, it to Mo, uh, Mo, Mo Judy Lamore last little, week. Uh, you little yeah. scamp. We asked you point blank about this. <laughs> you know, like just it's just wild. And like, I love the musical theater references. You're absolutely right. I love that it started with Jeremy Baz and Paul, but we've seen incrementally more and more fans coming to their training sessions. And here it is. The fans are not only involved in the training sessions, but they're involved in almost like the choreography of the waves and the cheers of this and really getting the whole community behind it, which is, uh, you know, we've, that's kind of been a theme of this season, a sneaky theme that they've sort of put in as kind of subtext throughout the entire season season that Richmond belongs not to Ted Lasso, not to the players, not to Rebecca Welton. Richmond belongs to the fans and uh, it belongs to the entirety of the city. And so I just really appreciated all of that uh, moment for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, again, this is always what it should be like. Look, Craig and I this weekend are going to see our local soccer team, St. Louis City. We're going to go watch them play uh, Houston and you get the sense our city, you, our team, our city, our team, man. You get the sense when you have a team like that, that yes, it, it belongs to the fans. And the fact that that's where we end up with this team at the end as well is just so fantastic. But speaking of fantastic, we get this amazing one shot sequence through the entire locker room, through the whole building really here that just, it shows, I think just like that this whole building, this whole organization is just at a stasis point. Everything is working as it's supposed to. So Keely is walking through. She's bringing gifts to Ted and Beard as they're playing. I'm pretty sure they're playing that hit the wad of paper game that they first were playing when Sharon walks in in season two. So I think that's what they're doing there. Um, but uh, Keely also, when she walks in the locker room, does the is everybody decent closing her eyes joke, which is in the very first episode. Um, and uh, Jamie actually then, after he sprays some links on himself, follows her into the hallway he tells her that nike wants to do a commercial with him in brazil but he said only if she can come she of course agrees and as this is happening again the timing of these one shots is incredible because roy kent has to be there in the background at a very specific point to start walking forward so he's there right when that conversation ends which there's no way he can hear <laughs> based on where he is in that hallway so again just wonderful work here but after he sees that they're kind of connecting a little bit goes back in the locker room asks them to get a beer and in a funny little bit here um, because, you know, he hasn't had a beer since he started training with Roy, but also this great thing, Nate walks by and asks if they're friends now, and Jamie, of course, says yes, and Nate says that it's lovely. And again, everything is just working as it's supposed to, right, Craig? Absolutely. I also love that Jamie is going to be using Keeley as a publicist uh, because he's going to be doing this huge deal with Nike. We, you know, we all... Uh, mine's over there. Bodies. Yeah, I couldn't, I didn't I was wondering on. if you were going to wear it tonight or not. Um, but I then, should have, course, yeah. You absolutely should have. We could have been, we could have been matchy matchy, but uh, Nike had to get some additional references in this show, right? <laughs> Product, <laughs> place, all of these kids. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, I love that The The one shot was so cool. I, I just love that. Like it really put us in when, when a, a one shot is done well, Yeah. the benefit of that filmmaking is that it really puts you in the scene. Like we mm-hmm. think about like probably one of the most, famous one shots in recent history was if you haven't ever seen it, there's this great one shot in the Netflix daredevil season uh, series where basically he's going down and fighting this hallway full of baddies. And it it feels like, you know, like your heart is pumping because it feels like you're there. And so to me, this felt like we were not only the audience watching a TV show, but we were actually walking through, um, 
and being able to see these characters that we love and be able to see some of these storylines start to wrap themselves up. Mm -hmm. And as Ted said at the end of So Long Farewell, just thank you, fellas. That was perfect. That was I mean, this perfect. this was a perfect scene. I absolutely love this. Yeah. So uh, we're cutting now to the crown and anchor. Rebecca is there eating with her mom. Um, her mom tries to make this analogy with uh, Ted leaving with her husband dying, which, of course, just doesn't work. But, of course, as she uh, quotes here, another T-shirt that has to happen. You say potato. You say potato. Um, so none of it makes sense. Um, her mother, though, does like the idea of her selling the club and exploring the world. Um, they she also tells her, though, that she will not be at the match because she's meeting someone to remove the tattoo that she's going to be getting uh, in case she doesn't like it. So <laughs> awesome. Cool. You you do you, Rebecca's mom. Um, she does mention Tish, though, uh, as well. So we get a little bit of that callback there. Rebecca still thinks she's a charlatan and stuff. But as May and uh, her mom laugh over the younger generation having it so easy, um, Rebecca asks for the check. But May tells her it's all been taken care of and it's been taken care of by Jeremy, Baz and Paul. Um, who thank her for everything that she's done for the club. Um, this is amazingly sweet. Um, I love that we get this moment from these three. Um, you know, they basically tell her, like, you're kind of like the mom we never had um, in terms of that. Ugh, it's so, so heartwarming here. How did you feel about that? Because I'll say I, I was watching this with a friend. Um, I was uh, watching this episode with a friend. And like when that happened, uh, she kind of like gasped a little bit. And she was like, huh, like, mother, like, is this oh. Tish's? Is this the prophecy? I will tell right you here? this. I will tell you this. I think this that means it more than what we see at the end, I think. Um, because I have a theory about the end. But yes, I think that it's all part of it. Like Rebecca is kind of, you know, this motherly figure to all of these AFC Richmond fans, because as Chris uh, tells us uh, when, you know, they're commentating the opening of the game, this club has mostly been down, man. They've never sniffed anything close to the Premier League title. And the fact that it has happened like this with this owner who tried to run it into the ground, not that everyone knows that, it is just, I think, I think it's more the family that we're talking about with Tish than what happens at the end personally. Mm -hmm. No, I could see that. I absolutely. And like, I love that it, it has Jeremy Baz and Paul as these kind of like vessels. They've always been our vessels to the fandom that love Richmond. And we get to see them kind of thrive in this episode in a lot of different ways. We get to see them become owners of the team yeah. uh, of Richmond uh, at the end of this, which is just delightful as well. So uh, loved all of this scene. Love to get to see like they did a good job of making sure that we almost all of our characters return in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. They're seen in the stands They're uh, Gosh, even the older couple from rainbow is in the I stands. Know, like, man, you know, everywhere. like they, they really did their work and they really put uh, some uh, very like specific things into this script to try to give everybody a moment. And it was nice to see Rebecca's mom again. Uh, yeah. And I thought that this was a lovely scene. And I love that she was not meeting with someone about getting the tattoo, but getting the tattoo removed because of course uh, she probably is going to regret it at some point. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, just, that's just great stuff. And Hey, you know what? Apparently she's learning uh, skateboarding. So you know what? You do you. You do you, Ms. Welton. All right. You're gonna be you're gonna be just fine there on stuff. And of course saying she will be good at it eventually. Um all right, well, back at the office, uh Ted sort of chuckles when he's reading Trent's book, and Trent literally pounces on him from the other room, clearly trying to gauge reaction. And I wrote here basically, Craig, that it's just amazing how cute he is, like how badly he wants Ted to like this book, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that he's like, page 43? You finally <laughs> laugh at page 43? Like, it's just so funny, like seeing the the Trent Krim that like has been bottled up for this whole time, you know, and being able to kind of be himself and wear these shirts and uh and that that last shirt, we had to check it and see because uh -huh. James mentioned that in our interview. Uh it's it was quite golden, I, I will say. Uh but you know, it's just really like it's great to see him and Ted interact in this way because he was so skeptical of Ted in that first season and especially in episode three, Trent Krim, the independent where he's trying to grill this guy and he wants to kind mm -hmm. of like put an end to this guy. Like that's yeah. his ultimate goal. He doesn't state that necessarily, but we all know that as an audience. And so to see him now, like seeking that affirmation from Ted uh, is just really wonderful. I, I love these two acting together. I love Trent Krim being part of the diamond dogs. I love him uh, being kind of incorporated into the show in such a way that he was in this, this third season. Cause yeah. we hardly got Trent at all in the second season. So it was great that we yeah. got so much of him this year. I know making up for lost time here. Um, well let's cut over to bones and honey. Cause Roy and Jamie are sharing a beer. And I, again, everything Phil Dunster does this year is perfect. He literally looks at this beer and like touches it with his index finger, like with reverence, like he's Indiana Jones with the like goblet, like with the freaking Holy Grail here. Um, and he literally chugs like nearly the entire beer and he looks and says it was worth it because of course guys he hasn't had a beer all year he's been in training with Roy who has not allowed him to so but this quickly turns into the Zach Morris AC Slater dilemma here um, because Roy tells him how proud he is of him no matter what happens on Sunday Jamie thanks him for all of his help and then Roy pretty awkwardly tell, brings up how he and Keeley have been talking and he doesn't want Jamie's feelings to get hurt or anything to get in the way of their friendship. Jamie is a bit taken aback by this news, and then, but he does ask, is it official? Roy says no, um, but he doesn't want him to get hurt, so he wants him to back off, and Jamie refuses. Literally just like this really elongated no. <laughs> and so Roy tells him that they um, actually hooked up a month ago, not a year ago, this actually kind of seems to hurt Jamie a little bit. And so he makes this conscious decision to try to hurt Roy back here by telling him that the video that got leaked of Keeley was actually made for him. And before we cut the scene, it definitely looks like some blows are about to be had. So what did you think of the dynamics of this and kind of where it leads to as well, Craig? You know, and a lot of times I've made reference to the fact that I thought the hug after the Man City match in season two, which was really more of that fatherhood theme. Mm -hmm. But this is a scene that shows that they're really brothers. Uh, yes. they're, these two respect each other. They're friends. Um, and they're arguing like they're family here. I mean, like we know that Roy is hyper focused on who is it that this video was made for? Because, uh, you know, he would know that it wasn't made for him. Right. Or at least that he had never mm -hmm. received it, you know. Like, yeah. uh, and so I think in his heart, he's so concerned. He's so worried that it was for Jamie because of this kind of weird dynamic that they've had in this relationship that they've had. So I, uh, I liked that, you know, you get a little bit of like that br older brother, like kind of being like, Hey man, uh, let's go out for a beer. Hey, you're doing great. I'm, I'm so, you know, you're doing such a great job. By the I way, did want to mention though, yeah. uh, you know, this girl, why don't you just kind of let, you know, just so you know, I'm sorry, but 
I, she's kind of more into me yeah, and you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to make sure that you're okay with that. And, um, that's just, it is what it is. And so then Jamie, you know, being the kind of like a uh, bratty younger brother is like, hell no, I'm not going to put up with that. Yeah, and then he's Absolutely like, not. She told me she likes me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I love the the look that Roy gives. So again, I'm, uh, I love the facial expressions throughout this entire series, but of course this season, I've brought it up quite a bit, but like the look that Roy gives to Jamie at the very end oh, yeah. before it cuts away oh, yeah. is daggers. It is so good. <laughs> oh man. Well, we're going to get back to these two because Craig, we have to cry for a little bit here now um, because yeah, we sure do. And look at, look at guys, this, this I think is the most meta scene in the entire episode because Literally, Rebecca Welton in this scene is us. She is all of us. She is saying all the things that we want to say to Ted. She's saying all the things that all the fans of this show are saying. He's just like, please don't go. Like, I will do. And this is really kind of like the bargaining part of, like, the cycle of grief. <laughs> so, you know, she's she's trying her hardest here. But let's get to it. So, Ted, he's sitting alone in the stands. Rebecca says she's finally ready to talk about it. Um, they sit down. And she basically says that she's selling the club. Um, and... God, there's one, the line like absolutely gutted me. I literally started crying here, Kirk, where she says like, if you go, I go. And it's just like how these two are like so indelibly attached here. Um, you know, it's all the denial coping mechanisms. Um, and, you know, then she kind of gives it like her best sales pitch as, as much as she can. And she tells him like, Michelle and Henry can come live out here. Henry can go to the best schools. Michelle can, you know, get certified and she can go back to the States as a, as a, you know, department head because she'll get the best education here too, to becoming a teacher. Um, and Ted is literally just like kind of silent this whole time. It all sounds very appealing. And then she really shoots her big shot, which is we're going to make a lot of money here. I can pay you and be the highest paid coach in the league. And you know what? Screw Tedisms, guys, because this line literally gutted me, especially the way that Hannah said it. But she says, I know people will say I'm crazy, but I still think I'd be underpaying you for what you mean to this club. And again, it's just like absolutely, absolutely, absolutely gutting. And the the, the line that absolutely like tore me apart, Craig, was when she looks at him and she just says, would you please stay? And it's just like, it's so desperate. She's shot every shot she can to try to appeal to his like logic. And now it's just straight heartfelt. Like, please just don't go like, and it's just one of those, yeah. you have to try it. Um, they joke away about like some movie tropes and stuff like that. And then she basically is resolved like, okay, then both of us are going and uh, they share a laugh together over the real title of a famous book, I'm guessing. So um, what did you, uh, what, what were you, what were you going through while you were seeing this scene? Well, I should say that uh, Mark from the the Holdo Maneuver podcast, uh, if you love Star Wars, go and check that out. He's uh, following along in chat as well. And he said, this is the second time he cried in this episode. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's going to be giving us a cry counter as we go along here. But <laughs> I, I just, uh, I have to say like, like you said, Hannah is us in this yeah. scene. And, and in a way, I mean, Jason is playing himself, himself in that. Here. Yeah. The person, the person that's able to give us potentially more Ted Lasso is him, is Jason. <laughs> he could make the decision to give us more of the show that we love. But at the same time, us as an audience, it's almost like we need to acknowledge much like Hannah does as much as we can say that we want that to happen or we want this to uh, be able to continue on like this, that 
we can keep coming back to it every day and we can keep saying we're thinking about it. But at some point, the decision has to be made. Uh, are we going to go or are we going to stay? Now, of course, it's changed by the end of this uh, episode. We see that Hannah decides to maintain ownership of the team while giving 49% of it to the community. So she does stay, even though Ted does go. But and what does that mean? Like in the analogy of what we are as the audience? I don't know. But uh just tremendous acting by people, by two people that are clearly going to win Emmys <laughs> for this season. I mean, like, you know, I'm sorry uh, to anybody else that's been out there for the last. I, there are some amazing shows out there. You know, Barry is a dark comedy, but it's been great. And uh, it just had its last season. And Abbott Elementary is just crushing it. I mean, like, there are some great shows, but I'm sorry. The Ted Lasso train at the Emmys is going to be happening for at least this last season. So one would hope one would hope. And I, I do say like the meta-ness doesn't even like you could even even say for all that we know about like the mechanisms of whether or not this show goes on you know when she offers him like to pay him the most of any coach in the league you don't think apple's making that argument to jason right now <laughs> like you know like is you don't think apple is like brought that up to jason today because it's just saying like dude we will back we will unload trucks of money onto your car like, or onto your lawn here just just you know give us some more of this but That's, you're right though it's it's just it's time to go you know it's almost like the p it's almost like the pr people that kept saying like season finale season. you know Know, instead of series finale uh it's it's like they are the ones that they're like hannah in this instance they're like maybe if we say it enough it will happen yeah. uh so i just thought i i just thought that and i mean like that's not to take nothing away from the scene i mean i understand that i'm explaining like the meta-ness and us as fans but like oh, this but is like kind of like amazing, a grieving process almost for you guys here. and so yeah. um but there is some phenomenal acting going on and i've talked about hannah and her acting exuding God, the, eyes, the eyes exuding her character with her entire body and soul this entire season and uh it just culminates in the scene and yeah, she's incredible the, during amount, the, scene. the amount of teary eyes that hannah gives in this entire episode just it guts me it, it just crushes me every single time um but and of course she, the line that we all had to say, I just had to try, <laughs> as did we all. Yeah. But back at Keeley's, Roy and Jamie are at the door, and they are both beaten up. Um, and I love this because Keeley just teases them. He's like, oh, so did you stop mugging? Did you rescue some puppies? <laughs> it's like, she knows what's happening here. Um, but they basically tell the truth. And I love that she even mutters under her breath, just like, please don't say it <laughs> like before they do it. But they literally are doing the same by the bell is just like, okay, you choose, like you choose which of us you want to end up with. And of course she's having none of this shit. She kicks them both out and they go for some kebabs. So what do you think this means? Cause this kind of is the last word we get on like the relationship of these three, right? Like, what do you think this kind of states about like the relationship status of Jamie, of Keely, of Roy? Are they all just fine doing their own thing? You know, like, because I think the show has really been more about self-improvement um, than, you know, finding improvement through somebody else. That's definitely Roy's story at the end of this episode. I, I, I think it comes back to uh, it was Keely's choice and Keely, uh, at least from where we are going to leave her in Lasso Land. Um, maybe forever, Healy, independent woman, right? Yes, so right. that's exactly what I think it is. And um, the boys are trying to be the boys here and they make are her still choose. Doing the and hard she says, brother vibes. 
<laughs> and she says, absolutely not. I have, uh, I have this third option, which is to kick you guys out. Yeah. And I do love that instantly the guys decide, even though they're still beat up from each other, beating themselves up, that they're going to go get food together. Like, uh, you know, again, that's that, it's that big brother. It's that like, I love you, even though we just fought about something like literally fist fights and, uh, we're still going to come at it. So I, I think, I'm okay with this resolution. I, I did want to see Roy and Keeley together. I thought that that's the coupling that I wanted, but then throughout this season and seeing kind of Keeley sort of long for the mm-hmm. new Jamie Tart, whether that's going all the way back to Shandy. Remember her? You remember these characters that we were introduced to yeah, that just right. disappeared on us uh, earlier in the season? A little. <laughs> Shandy has a, a magazine article, so maybe that counts as her coming back. I right. don't know. Um, but I, I just think that uh, like even going back to those moments where she's like, yeah, Jamie was like that, but now he's changed. And mm-hmm. like it, it kind of at, gives us permission structure as an audience to be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe Jamie Tart. Uh, should end up with her so i am okay with this resolution how about you yeah i'm fine with it like i said you know i thought it was a little i don't know maybe a little clunky just like with like her hooking up with roy again i thought that meant they were back together and but again you know that's probably the typical trope of how we think about these kinds of relationships on tv shows and movies um so maybe the subversion is there just like you know what no we're not gonna know how these guys end up all you need to know is that they're going to be all right you know, like a, a couple, you know, we always talk about how we know never have the female perspective. A uh, couple of ladies in the chat, uh, Callie said that she was not a fan of how they settled Roy, Jamie, and Keely. Okay. Uh, and then Brooke wanted to mention that she uh, is saying that, like, of course, they are still friendly because uh, Keely has Phoebe on her lap. Uh, later yeah. on during yeah, yeah. one of the closing songs. So, which I mean, I, I'm not saying that they're not friends. I just think that they, they've not resolved it in a way for us to be able to definitively say that uh, she's got um, some kind of relationship status here. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, and I'm fine with it, honestly. Like, like I said, like the, the show is a lot more about working on yourself and finding your own self-worth um, and not having to have that depend on somebody else. Um, and so in that mm-hmm. way, Jamie finds it in the men's fences with his dad. Roy finds it within himself by working on himself. And Keely finds it by kind of not doing her PR firm by herself, you know, like having help and asking mm-hmm. for help and, and using the best of her ability. So in a way, the romance is kind of secondary, um, if we're being honest here. And sure, they still leave the door open. If you want to believe she ends up with Roy, she ends up with Roy. If you want to believe she ends up with Jamie, she ends up with Jamie. Like, you know, it, it's an open-endedness that I think isn't cheap. I think it's just in the eye of the beholder. I want to uh, believe that they end up in a Danny Rojas style thruple. There That's what I want to believe. Thruple time. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's cry some more, Craig. Uh, Cause back in the uh, Ted room. and Nate. Holy shit, Ooh, man. man. Like this. Oh Nick, my God. Nick, Nick Muhammad, you fucking King. Um, this the, is, the tears, the oof. tears, the tears that Nick Muhammad produces in this scene. Yeah. It's, it's intense. So basically, well, <laughs> and are we led to believe here? Like, we, okay. There are some moments here where I do have to like objectively be like, is that a thing? Like, like for instance, when they have to replace, it'll come up again, but when they have to replace the entire I had, net, because I had the Isaac same, McAdoo same uh, kicks an entire, like kicks a hole in the net. And then there's only one, one minute, minute of stoppage, stoppage time. time. I said the same thing. Like, 
<laughs> what? what? But but Unless, like okay, uh, this okay, was also but... one of those moments. Like, are we to believe that Nate just delivered the fifty-eight page apology to Ted, or um, that he hasn't had this opportunity before, or is this just like him saying it again to Ted? Like, I that was my one like hiccup with this scene no you see i always take it as like look if he really is just the kit man again right like he's probably been avoiding ted specifically he's probably not been wanting to have that conversation because he's writing a 60 page apology letter to him in like in an attempt to like avoid having to have that one-on-one contact with it um and so i think like yeah he's probably been tertiarily around ted in the locker room in the building and stuff like that but he probably has not had this one-on-one interaction with him yet. And I think the real point of this is that, you know, Ted, by virtue of saying, I know right away is telling him he understands what Nate went through and he understands like why it happened. And really the hurt doesn't matter anymore. He's back where he belongs and he's back where, you know, he's not going to be judged and he can be the best version of himself. And that, you know, Ted knows he's probably beat himself up more than Ted ever could or anybody else ever could. And, you know, it's Ted that forced this issue by making Beard, you know, realize that he and Nate aren't really that different in terms of screwing up and getting second chances. So what I, what I took this as is, you know, with, with him getting emotional here and, and really centering it as well around the blank space where the belief sign used to be, it sets up the amazing reveal later, but it also shows that the avatar of that, even though the sign isn't there anymore, it's still the symbol of Nate's like ultimate betrayal of Ted. Mm-hmm. And that in a way he still can't let that go because it like it's left a scar there that none of them like none of us can see, but that both of them can see very clearly. And so in a way, this is the beginning of Nate's redemption, but it doesn't really fully culminate until the pieces are brought back together. And that's really didn't why you, they share that. But didn't you also like us as an audience? And I mean, I'll ask this uh for the folks in chat too to to respond to this, but um, you know. Didn't you see the belief sign when you looked up there? Like I did. I still I totally saw it. Did. Well, and... I mean, after the line, like, but like, no, I even like before. Yeah. Like when, when, when we got that first shot of him just staring at it, I was just like, yeah, man, I can see it. I, you know. It's okay. So, and then, there. and then, okay. So there was a, there was a throwaway line that Ted gives here about Nate. And he says something about how Nate ripped it twice or ripped it, but then he ripped that sucker twice. Yeah. Uh, so you're all in the clear. Uh huh. So is that like going back to the science episode, is it intentional by Ted to essentially have this ripping of the sign happen to be able to help redeem Nate as well? Like, is that part of his intention when he's doing all of that? I guess maybe it could be at the back of it. You're talking like when he actually rips it at the end of the signs episode. Um, yeah. Is that because, because that's after, you know, that that comes after um, the West Ham match where they all go crazy because they saw Nate well, ripping the sign. So is this Ted going like, you know what, I'm going to help bring Nate back into the fold as well. If you want to be charitable about it, you could say that's maybe like an ulterior motive. But I think in that moment, his motive is to like get them not to concentrate on the physical manifestation of the sign as in terms of like their hope, you know, like, cause then it's just like, Oh, our hopes are ripped in two. So he's trying to take the, the metaphor of the physical manifestation of the sign and basically transfer it into them. You are the believe now, um, you know, like the, the sign lives in you. You don't need the physical one. As long as you take its message, 
message to heart and bring it forward. And so I think that, yeah, if you want to be good about that, you could say charitably, he's also giving them tacit permission to not hold on to this of what Nate did with the belief sign, you know, like to, just giving them tacit permission to say, it's not about, you know, what did or didn't happen, what was or wasn't broken. It's about, this is, this is our family still. And he's out there and he did something out of hurt. And so we need to understand. And as he tells Jamie in mom city, hurt people, hurt people. Um, so, you know, there's just a deeper psychological influence on that. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wanted to say Kara, Carol, a couple others in the chat, all say that they saw that belief sign as well. So Hell just yeah, uh, did. absolutely. So now now we get the um, I just kind of wrote all these out and I'm sure you did, too. But like it was like kind of like where's Waldo of uh, the Richmond West Ham <laughs> match. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's match day, the first baby. person we see. And forgive me because you know I think the actress has probably grown up a little bit. That was Shannon, right? That was Shannon. I think it's definitely Shannon. Um, okay, you know, okay. Coming, coming I, I thought so she too, but like for whatever reason, I'm so used to seeing her in the context of like outside on the like you know on the practice like in the like green field like park uh, mm -hmm. near Ted's apartment that like they they clearly focused on her for a second there, and I was like, okay, that has to be Shannon. But I just you know two watches and I still like couldn't confirm myself in my head, you know? <laughs> no, I so, think you're okay. right there though, but we do meet her. We also see uh, the couple that you mentioned from rainbow that did the Harry met Sally riff. Uh, it's straight to the camera. Um, we see the Collins boyfriend is there getting a ticket under the name. Winona Judd. I uh, still love that. They're doing the uh, country singers. Um, Reba McIntyre feeling good about that. Winona Judd, you better tweet that out. Like Reba did. Um, we also see our old friend, John wings night with, I guess his now wife, um, you know, I, I, I guess his wife, it was a fiance a while back, but, uh, you know, he's there and he's of course rooting for who's good at the time. Just like he said, as he's going to Richmond's game, um, to see if they win the premier league, what a jerk, but also, eh, he's fine. Um, and then, uh, Dr. Jacob, we see is watching, uh, quite douchingly as I put down, uh, with Michelle and Henry back in the States. And of course he's the worst in this scene. Like, okay. Worst. So he's, Cue he's the projecting. <laughs> he's he's projecting uh like this is okay guys i'm gonna go ahead and admit it this was me like five years ago okay shame. i would have totally been the guy doing this uh and i want to just apologize in <laughs> retro like retrospectively apologize for me being dr jacob in this particular scene but go ahead yeah, well, again, just like being the typical American dude, like, oh, man, it's going to be zero zero at the end. Forget you, man. You don't know anything about football. Um, but, of course, before that, though, we see our old friend Sharon Fieldstone is watching from her apartment while still doing work. So she's trying to not not seem like she's too into it and stuff. But, again, though, you I right. will say that I, I at the beginning of this episode, it said guest starring Sarah Niles. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. got really excited when that credit came up. And poor Sarah, poor Dr. Sharon doesn't say a damn word in this entire finale and i'm like, she says, oh, like yes and cheering and stuff come on what are you gonna do here oh man? okay cheers those aren't <laughs> words like, emmy award nominee right. sarah niles you can't pay everyone who gets an emmy from ted lasso my man <laughs> that's true that <laughs> is true rates um but this is but you're right though like there's a few like show finales that have done this well of like recounting like old characters that we've like come to know and stuff, but maybe aren't the main characters of the show. Um, How I Met Your Mother did this really well. Um, Scrubs did this amazingly well in their, in their final episode. Um, You know, it's just kind of a way of like, 
again, giving you that nostalgia of remembering everything that you've been through so that you're okay going where this show needs to go here. So um, just again, very there. But hey, Craig, um, it's time for the Diamond Dogs to mount up, baby. Diamond Dogs time because everybody is back here. Oh, Trent House Magazine. Trent House Magazine. You are a part of the squad now. Hell yeah, he when, is. Okay. When Roy asked to be I a diamond dog, shrieked. I shrieked as loud. There was as I could. squeeze. <laughs> there was there was there was sounds that were being made by me that I've never heard in myself before. Uh, because how exciting was it that he asked to be a diamond no, it's, dog? It's, and then it's he... because it's because he does so so pathetically. I mean, it's just like you could tell he's been like bottling this up for so long. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, like, and then he gives like. You know, we go into this Rocky Four dialogue about if you can change and I can oh, change and we all can change. <laughs> like uh, all of them have so uh, such amazing and then like Beard and the Perfect Talk. And oh, I'm sorry to the reviewer down, that uh, sorry to the reviewer that knocked down a star. But like, of course, I'm going to bring that up in Tedisms later on. But <laughs> did you want to talk about the things that he thought is perfect? Oh, I thought no, for sure this is going to be one of the questions. This is going to be the question that I post in the um, Facebook group tomorrow when this episode is posted. Like, what is your perfect pop culture reference? Because they come up I've, with some pretty good I've, ones here. I've got one right now because the, the sequel is coming out soon. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's a perfect, perfect. film. It is a, a perfect, perfect film. film. <laughs> it does not get better than Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Well, apparently it and does. I am a Disney fanboy. Apparently it and does I'm saying... because all my reviewer friends who have seen it say that the second one is better. It's a damn piece of art. So, like, I cannot even wait. But um, anyway, yes, this scene is fantastic. Even aside from Roy saying he wants to be a diamond dog he's very serious here though after they do the uh hidden camera gag which all of them do at the same time like just immediately which is fantastic um but yeah he sits there and he asks um you know he, he basically says very seriously though like that this whole year he's been trying to change and that he laments that for the at the end of the year he's still him and he says that he wanted to be someone better so he asks can people change now this is a very hard question for everyone so trent starts and um you know basically with this whole thing about how you don't change but you just kind of learn to accept who you are like who you've always been which is a wonderful line um and nate says that of course people can change because he would know he's changed very much over the last couple of years um and then though yes we We'd get into this whole thing about how Beard says, um, you know, that um, perfect isn't the point. He says change isn't about trying to be perfect. Perfection sucks. Perfect is boring. And they go through a big list, all of them, of things that are perfect, starting with the Shawshank Redemption, of course, Back to the Future, of course. Jaws, of course, yes, there are perfect works of art. Um, uh, Higgins says that Trent's hair is perfect. And James, if you're listening, my man, we told you, your hair game has a life of its own. Your hair is perfect. Um, Grace Kelly's eyes, the other side of the pillow. Hell yes, Trent, the other side of the pillow. <laughs> Nate says jack and potato cheese and beans, which sounds perfectly delicious, according to Ted. Uh, and I believe, like, Beard says spaghetti bolognese, bolognese, I don't know how you spell it, say that. Um, bolognese. So, bolognese. There you right? go. Um, and then, of course, Roy blurts out Billy, J Billy Joel's The Strangers album and uh, The Stranger album. Um, and, of course, uh, Beard ends it with The Mighty Redwood. All of these things I find are perfect, Craig. But what's your perfect? Oh, um, gosh. That's a good question. I, 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 
I'd say that, you know, a perfect film for me, Dead Poets Society, one of those perfect films, uh, perfect actor, Robin Williams, um, and, and going off of that. Uh, I do like that, you know, Kara in the chat mentioned that kind of during this whole like sequence when they're looking for the cameras, I saw this online today as well. And I didn't notice it the first time around, but uh, when they're looking for cameras, uh, because Roy has to be punking them. Jason looks directly into the camera. <laughs> he does? No way. <laughs> which, yeah, which I really love as well. So I that is perfect. Like uh, Ted Lasso is perfection, right? And I think that that's kind of the yeah. point of this particular speech that um, it, it can't always be perfect. Uh, and that's kind of like the meta-ness. Like you can't tell me now based on this finale that the writers weren't thinking in this kind of like uh, overall, like, how do we speak directly to the audience of this show throughout yeah. the entire season? Because it's pretty clear at this point that they were. Yeah, and sorry, folks, you're going to have to wait till the end to get Higgins's absolute dinger of a of a line again. Higgins it's the Tez. Like, okay, so the person I was with, like, talking, uh, they just they said like that. That's like the biggest Tedism of the show. Like, that is it might be. The, I mean, it's the that thesis is the, of the show and it, it makes sense least. that it comes from Higgins, right? Because yeah. like. Leslie has some bomb ass uh, little like uh, moments there. And this is just perfect. Bar none. I would say Higgins' Tedisms are probably the most like mic drop ones of the entire series (laughs) because it's just every time just epic truth bombs. Um, um, But all right, let's get to back to the locker room. Rupert, he's hired George to take over for Nate. Of course he did. Um, And we learned that if West Ham wins, they are actually in the Champions League too. So they will finish fourth. So a lot of uh, reasons for them to win this game, uh, this match here. So his jacket is looking especially Emperor Palpatine here. Uh, Darth Vader here. Um, it's, it is flowing in the wind, um, but he's clearly kind of like shook as he walks up to the VIP boxes, um, but he still puts on his game face and does the charming stuff that he's always known for. But Rebecca walks in right after him with Sassy Smurf. <laughs> oh, yes, Ellie Taylor. Um, and she gives him just once again a epic rundown. Um, I won't do all of it, but I will say the best line of it where she says, but in all seriousness, I do wish you the best because you are the fucking worst. <laughs> It's how she delivers it too, and it's how crushed uh, uh, that Rupert looks after she walks away from him. It Ellie is Taylor, baby, Ellie Taylor, chef's for the kiss, absolute chef's win. kiss. Ellie, come uh, on the is, show, man. <laughs> it is fantastic, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then uh, this is where we get that moment in the locker room. You know, Zav is sending in his hey, uh, Zavocado avocados are best, and all that. <laughs> And then we get this whole Mask of Zorro bit, and I've got a bone to pick with Mo Judy Lamore because clearly, uh, and if you go back and listen to that interview that we did last- He was cagey when I asked him this, man. Well, he just moved right on. Did you Uh, know, like, he he didn't even, like, he was like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, and, like, just kept going. Like, that was it. (laughs) Well done. Talk about Emmy for podcast. Uh, if there's a category for podcast interviews, oh, I'm going to yeah. submit we, well, that. We need to find to the uh, listener who, who's thought of that as well. But yeah, Mo, you little, you little punk. Um, anyway, um, the team loves uh, the mask. They say that he's uh, looks like a superhero. And actually, I love that when he hugs Danny, who gave him this mask, he literally calls him uh, mon frere, which means my brother um, in French. So again, really, really great there, the camaraderie. Um, and yeah, uh, Zava literally sends him the biggest avocado of all time, which is fantastic. Jamie appropriately says holy guacamole, because what else do you say to a giant avocado? That's what you have to say. Um, right. and of course, I do love this. Zava signs his note, never forget, I'm always inside you. 
Um, Max, you're a treasure, my man. We love you so much. Um, but then uh, we have Ted gathering them around the TV for a message from the staff. It is very heartfelt, um, but it may have gone too far because they're getting a little too emotional. Um, and I wondered here... Um, do you think they showed them this for the first time when they shot this scene, that big group shot of them in front of the TV? Mm. I wonder if this is something they showed them for the first time there. Well, so now like we've seen uh, in the screeners that we had, like particularly in season two, that sometimes they don't add a lot of these video elements until after, like it'll just be a green screen that right. they're uh, reflecting on. But I could see like that you're, you're being right here, you know, cause they, they put in these great elements. That's a great question. You know what we're going to do? That's a question we're absolutely going to put a pin on and we're going to yes. ask AJ and Mel that question when they come on. Uh, and if they happen to be listening to this episode, maybe they'll be prepped now. Um, but wondering if, because one of them would have edited it, it might've been Melissa because this was her episode, uh, but I'm sure one of them or their assistants had edited this clip together. And so I'm wondering if the cast had seen that uh, in for real, or if this was something that was uh, added in post later on. But yeah. I think you could be on to something there for sure, Jer. Yeah. I mean, it's happened before on some shows, um, you know, like uh, the office, uh, you know, when uh, Jim gives Pam like the note and everything. This apparently was a real note that John Krasinski wrote to Jenna Fisher that had like a real message to them and he didn't tell her about it. So this stuff does happen sometimes on finales. Um, but let's get to the field here. The team is literally openly weeping um, about their last game on the field. Uh, Chris and Arlo are definitely remarking about how that's not actually a great look. And Roy, of course, is also just weeping on the sideline, which is awesome. So as we get into the match, uh, Zorro makes a really amazing save pretty quickly. Uh, Jamie, he's moving the ball down the field very methodically. He sets up Danny for an amazing side bicycle kick, but he barely misses the goal. Um, and after that, West Ham moves it down the field for a very, very easy goal to take the lead. Come on, Zorro. You got to do better than that, man. Um, and at the end of the half, they're still on their heels. Um, these text alerts start going off that says that Man City has indeed scored a goal. They're up one nothing on Liverpool. And yet another very easy goal for West Ham, and they are up 2-0 at the half, and the stadium is literally shook. Um, our friend there back at the Crown and Anchor gives out this guttural yell about um, how much he doesn't want that to happen. Um, and we get here, Craig, into the locker room where the mood is down. Ted enters and he just gives, again, the meta-ness of this, Craig, this amazing speech about how he it's been the best three years of his life. Like this literally had to just be in this moment, Jason to these actors, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think that like we've heard before that he goes into these uh, and adjusts, his, adjusts what he's going to say and, and everything else. And it just like, you know, James mentioned the, the speech that Jason gave when they were rapping and it almost feels like this was part of that, you know, like he's he's such and he so embodies this. Uh, character that it was just absolutely remarkable to mm -hmm. get to see that one last time yeah. if this if this is indeed the last time i guess i should put out the disclaimer but yeah. i i do think i i i am fully on board that this was the last episode that we will ever get of ted lasso um yeah and that's but that's where I'm at at the moment. I guess ask me tomorrow and maybe I'll change my mind. <laughs> well, we'll all keep our minds changed uh, for hope anyway. But as we all know, it's the hope that kills you. Um, but yeah, he he basically writes down in, in such here about how and I, I made extra note of the line where he said, you know, like watch having a front row seat to the men you were and, you know, to the men that you now are. And it's it's just this amazing ramp up of, you know, 
Jason probably telling all of these actors in that moment as well, just like how much it's meant to make this show with them and how they have been a family and a team for this entire time. And, you know, like I imagine in that room as people are watching him deliver this speech, like they're all just feeling this emotion uh, as well. And I didn't write down the first part of it, but I did write down the second where he talks about kind of like the thesis of sports as well. When he says, when it comes to the match, he says, I don't know what's going to happen. No one does. Sports would be a whole lot less fun if we did. And you all would probably make a lot less money. Yeah. I don't want to know the future. No, no, no. We want to be right here right now. And that, again, that had to be an ad lib right there. Like just the way he said like the, no, 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 we've got to want to be right here right now. Um, And he says, I'm telling you, man, if y'all play hard, play smart, play together. And just, you know, and he motions to the wall where the belief sign was, and he sees that it's not there, but then he again just kind of like points to it and he says, just do what y'all do and we'll go out there with the peace of mind of knowing we did our best, right? That we tried. And Craig, this is literally the moment that I lost it completely. I absolutely lost it because he asked if anybody else has anything to say. Sam raises his hand, gets his picture of the Nigerian football team, and he has the piece of the belief sign in there. And he pulls it out and he puts it on the table in the center of the room. And you see where this is going, guys, but it still hits me every time I've watched this. Of special note as well, I wrote down the ones that we saw. Jamie has it as a bookmark in the same F. Scott Fitzgerald book that Ted gave him in season one. It's the same yeah, book that he threw away, the the bold and the, or the not the bold and the beautiful, but the oh God, I wish I could remember. Somebody in the chat will, but um, the beautiful and the damned, the, uh, and the, the damned and the beautiful, yes. but damn so, beautiful, damn beautiful um, people. Um, uh, yes, God, but come on, the, Coach Beard's book club, uh, <laughs> yes, save us here. It's that book that he is now reading. He's reading that book because it's a bookmark in that. Like again, this is the character growth here. We also see that um, Isaac he keeps it literally tucked into his captain's armband when he's on the pitch. He takes it out there with him colin has it in his shin guard um we see that uh richard has it in like that bottle um that he used to keep the sand from the first time he had sex with a supermodel he says but he keeps his piece in there um and all of these guys literally are just bringing these pieces together the music is swelling and again i love the editing here because they literally it feels like it's building to this big emotional moment and then they just drop it because they're like oh well, we got to put all this together because it's just this jumbled mess there um and as they're doing this though They take the time to show Nate and Ted sharing a moment with each other, staring across all these guys hunched over, trying to put this sign back together. And Ted is literally, I think, telling Nate, and I don't know about you, Craig, what do you think of this? But I think this is Nate being put back together here. This is almost a little Mm. bit of Nate finally being put back together here. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a, a really deep thought that I hadn't <laughs> thought of before, but I absolutely can see that. Uh, and of course, we we get to see that this is our number four, right? Oh, my uh, God. It, yeah. Ugh. It just, oh, this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, they go there and they put their hands over the sign. They break with Richmond on three um, and everybody is in tears as we cut the shot as the hands pull away with the reconstituted, not taped together yet or anything, but the reconstituted belief sign. Um, And so 
I'm going to save Ted's big quote there when they're in there for the Tedism. Sorry, guys, you got to stick around a little bit longer. Um, so we get back on the pitch. Richmond is now playing very inspired football, and they have this wonderful little sequence here where Danny Rojas hits the post, and then Sam hits the post, and then Colin hits the post on a header. It's the four, it's on the fourth. It's on the fourth attempt that we get it, and it's funny because like all of us were like, "Who's going to score the goals in here?" You know, like, uh, and so I thought that that was also a pretty like a hilarious bit of, uh, of tomfoolery as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so of course it gets back out to Jamie who actually hits a really good one from just outside the box. Um, he hits a really good goal there, but I love it that like, then this is something you'll see when teams are like down with a lot to play for. They literally do not celebrate. They pick up the ball and they run it back to the center of the field. They don't want to waste any time that's left in this match. They are determined to do this. So, um, as we go back, um, Let's see how I was trying to get like who goes to what, who goes here. Um, we, uh, you know, they run the ball back down the field and Jamie actually draws a penalty in the box. And so we get a penalty shot here. Um, and uh, Jamie gives the ball to Danny, um, who Danny then gives the ball to Isaac. And he's, we learned that he's never taken a penalty in his entire career. Um, and well, I remember, do- he, we just saw him do his first corner kick during <laughs> uh, during the scrimmage around total football. And yeah, there's uh, so much. Was that fun. the same episode as the string that binds us? Was that the same? Like, scrimmage yeah uh, it, it wasn't is. the string scrimmage but i think it was like another scrimmage no, it's in that another same part episode. of that episode it is the strings that yeah. bind us um but there, there's a couple of fun things here is that first isaac tries to give to colin and he says no and then i love that he adds it in he says it'll be fun he literally says it'll be fun to isaac he's just like don't worry about it man just kick it and then as we see that he's gonna do it they cut back to higgins and he literally braces himself and his wife just like protecting him because he knows what isaac is capable of and um we also then see he goes over and we see the new greyhound mascot and he's wearing a helmet he's wearing this little tiny helmet which is so what i love that like he looks over there like because danny gives him the ball because danny knows what happened in the last penalty kick that we saw filmed like this and um uh, then Isaac looks over like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to kill, kill the dog. <laughs> or Earl 2. <laughs> yeah, Earl the sequel going down here. Um, but this is great. So he, he rears back and he literally kicks the hell out of the ball, but it goes over the net and the whole stadium is down. But on review, the official goes in there and he finds a hole in the back of the net. Isaac literally kicks the ball so hard it goes through the net and also nails John Wings Knight right in the face. <laughs> It does. Hey, uh, Brooke just broke my mind in the chat. So apparently she needs a podcast uh, is what I'm coming to. Okay. What she got saying here. She said that now remember the string that binds us. uh, She said it was Isaac and Danny pretending to be each other. Isaac was being Danny and that's That's why he looked over at Earl. That's right. Uh, it's all connected. We are all in a simulation, guys. Um, anyway, so this is this is amazing, though. It's a great like celebrating moments here. John Wings Knight, he's literally bleeding his ass off, but he's also cheering louder than anybody in that stadium at the same time. It's pretty funny. And Rebecca notices, though, that Rupert angrily leaves the box. And we also see Sharon celebrating quite hard in her apartment, which is fantastic. So you're right. This is the one that brought me out of it. But the only thing that I could 
can think here, uh, Craig, is that maybe like a broken net isn't like a time situation. Maybe that's one of those moments in like football where they will literally stop the clock and just be like, okay, we need to like fix this net. So maybe that's why only one minute of stoppage time. Um, but as they're replacing the net, Rupert enters the field and he heads straight to George and he's berating him and he's telling him literally a karate kid sweep the leg moment here of just like take Jamie Tart out. And I love this because Rupert's clearly lost it, but George looks at him and says, I'm not going to play the game that way. And it's amazing, you know, that like we give like this little bit of semblance of, of dignity and stuff to George, but Rupert shoves him to the ground. And of course, George's short shorts reveal his uh, balls <laughs> to the pitch there. And I, Arlo and Chris. Good call um, back to like the first, what, minute of yeah, this uh, series? First yeah. like three minutes of the series, but also Arlo and Chris are just on fire here too. Where, you know, he's like, Chris is telling him, just like, oh, you know, three balls on the field there. And Chris literally says something like or arlo literally says something like god damn it chris so it's like fantastic stuff here between the two of them um but you know while this is happening though like rupert he kind of knows what he's done here and he tells him to like get up and he clearly knows he's crossed a line um and as he's leaving the pitch the crowd starts chanting wanker at him and man you want to think of a callback to like the first episode of this season of this show man, how the tides have turned, you know, like Ted is now embraced as one of their own and, and uh, Rupert is now clearly on the way out there. And I do love at the end of this scene too, that George and Ted share this little nod with each other that it's just kind of like, nope, it's about on the pitch at this point. So what did you get of all this? Cause this is the last we see of Rupert Mannion in this series. How do you think our, our main villain here, Rupert Mannion goes out? Well, what I love about it is that a couple of episodes ago, you and I had this argument that um, Rupert was really going to be redeemed yeah. in this and that he was Not on so his much. way to a redemption. So what I really appreciate about this scene is that it completely proved you wrong yes, and it completely proved me correct. <laughs> and so I really appreciate that, uh, that the writers thought about that uh, in making sure that I had this moment to be able to gloat over you um, much. And it brings me excitement, much like Barbara, when she sees blood uh, on the <laughs> soccer pitch and she's so excited. Uh, that's actually, how I feel about this moment. Yeah, it's pretty Willis. good. And hey, you know what? Yeah, Willis, there we go. <laughs> well, and there is something to be said where like playing a villain is hard. Like when you have to literally play like an irredeemable villain, right? Like, so the fact that this is Rupert's ending on the show is kind of fitting. You know, he literally has nobody left to, because in a way, the public the team veneer, he loved, the, the fans he loved calling him wanker exactly you know, and, like, and, the, and that like, public veneer of like charm and affability and stuff that is his superpower and is completely stripped away now everybody sees who he really is yeah and i mean like think about even after he's divorced rebecca and like he's a man about town or whatever like everybody loves him in that gala right and like so he's just been kind of knocked down throughout these the particularly this season mm -hmm. but i mean i think it started to happen uh towards the end of last season especially i mean god like he was put to task in that no <laughs> weddings and a funeral episode oh. uh, in a way that was just so incredible um but like i i do think that you know we don't get any redemption for the emperor palpatine darth vader whoever you want to call him in this uh particular I, I think he's more Emperor Palpatine. I think Nate is more Darth Vader in yeah. this uh, scenario. But, but yeah, um, that's Emperor I'm, Palpatine. I'm fine man. with it. He gets thrown down that shaft and resurrect. 
corrected later. It was nothing about that. Anyway, um, so back on the pitch as the match is closing down, West Ham is owning the ball for that. So the last of the second half, they do a lob that gets Zero out of his position. And I don't know about you, Craig. This is like how much I've been watching like football now. Like the second Zero goes out there to punch that ball out, like even Sarah said this too. I was just like, he's too far out. He's too far out of the box. Like this isn't going to go well. Um, and it does in fact not go well as they put the ball in and West Ham leads. But Ted is not worried. In fact, he's laughing because he says, 14 was offside. Ted has learned the offside rule, Craig. He's finally got there. Roy and Beard are shocked at this. Beard gives him the payout that they established in season one of that. Uh, Ted checks it for counterfeiting too, which I absolutely love. Um, But a wonderful little moment here that sets up our finale of this game here with one minute remaining. They draw a free kick near the box, and they're trying to decide what play to run. It's too close to run the lasso special. It's too long for the Lokis toboggan. And so finally Ted has an idea, and he pulls Nate forward. And he puts Nate there and he's pointing to him and he hands him an Oscar and he's drawing literally Craig to the very first play they try as a team. The very first play that Nate tells him to try as a team, the one that gets him noticed. And it's literally the one which came from Nate and Jamie running decoy through the box. And I tell you, when it started there, I didn't quite get it until I saw Jamie Tart going, me, me, give me the ball. I want the ball. He's literally doing exactly what he had to do. The exact, the exact same uh, play. Uh, and he mimics it so well and just, just fun. Like it's, it's so many little Easter eggs and so many little fan favorites coming back. I mean, it's what you want. It's what you want in a finale. And like this, mm-hmm. this gave it to us in spades. And this was one of those moments for sure. I absolutely love this. Yeah, and then because... uh, it comes back to the idea. Like I was always saying like that. I hoped that Jamie Tart makes that final pass much like he does it playing for man city at the end of season one and the hope that kills you. And like it kind of in a way, he does that right like because he is the decoy everybody thinks that the ball is going to go to him and so sam is able to get out on the wing and of course sam is able to ultimately score what uh amounts to our winning goal and just beautifully executed and such a fun way to call back to the first season as well yeah and i mean a couple of more amazing things about this not just that sam of course in that trick play that they ran in the very first in episode three i believe trey Crim the independent Sam is the one who takes the takes the goal there as Jamie's running decoy through the box. So again, the symmetry is just amazing here. But I also just love like a, a little part of me just in my heart rejoice because right as Sam is about to kick this ball, we cut back. And what does Ted say, Craig? He says barbecue sauce <laughs> right mm-hmm. there, right beforehand. Just the comfort of it all. That is his thing. And as the city and the stadium erupt, I love it. Nate jumps into Ted's arms again, the exact same way he did. And he's yelling over and over again. You used my play. You used my play. I am literally dying, Craig. I am dying of crying at this point. Um, and of course the referee blows the three whistles. The game is over. The fans rush the field and it's a celebration literally worthy of all three seasons. Some amazing parts here. Colin, finds his fella and gives him a kiss on the pitch oh man my heart jumped there um and of course i love this little moment up in the stands too uh craig where keely is literally telling rebecca look what you did look what you did yeah that was that was Uh, one of my tedisms for sure uh but it's it's worth noting here because keely says 
uh, look what you did. And then Rebecca responds, I didn't do that. And then Sassy responds, you fucking did. did. (laughs) I loved it. I loved it. And they're all so emotional there. But of course, the highlight of it all, Craig, the Wichita State dances back. He's doing the running man in there. And we get the celebration with the team just the same way that the very first thing we see of Ted Lasso in this entire series, doing that dance in the locker room with his Wichita State Shockers. Fantastic stuff there. We just needed, uh, I mean, I know we get Chris saying something about white men doing the, the running man, and that it was is, great. It but is we a needed, callback. We, we needed SVP uh, to be there, too. Like, we needed <laughs> Scott Van Pelt in this episode, I guess. It is a callback, of course, to when uh, Keely says she doesn't know how to react when a grown man beatboxes in front of her in the first episode. So, fantastic stuff there. Um, but, of course, we don't know if they've won the Premier League trophy. We have to learn what happens with the West Ham match. But those sneaky editors, they're fading down on us, so we don't know. And uh, as we fade up, we're at the airport. And Ted is looking over the tabloid magazines. There is a lot of Easter eggs here, folks. So we're gonna so try many. To try to get through the big ones here. So the Sun is reporting that Rupert is out at West Ham, so he has lost the team. We also see that Miss Cakes is going to be on the next season of Lust Conquers All. A great callback to the Lavender episode in season two. Um, and we also see that Bex has a book deal for placenta recipes. And I'm gone. Uh, I think I stopped eating my cookies at that point. Um, we also see, though, in just an amazing heartwarming scene that uh, Rebecca has indeed sold 49% of the team, but she literally sold it to the fans, not to like some outside capital or any kind of rich, rich donors, literally sold it back to the fans um, in an amazing way. And hey, Green Bay Packers, y'all. Um, we also see um, on there that Shandy has indeed launched the Starfucker app um, and that it has apparently had some great success. She's got a cover story there. And then we also see that Zava is once again returning to football and he's coming back to play for LAFC, who is, of course, here in the States with the MLS. And the quote underneath that, did you see what the quote was? Because it's pretty amazing. Literally, they quote him as saying going to LAFC with, quote, they love avocado toast here. <laughs> perfect, 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 Excellent. perfect. Um, but yeah, so um, I do also love that uh, Ted, when he's paying for this, he tells the the attendant at the booth, uh, I appreciate you, of course, one of the things we always have to call out. Um, but then we get the return of the Aussie kid. He's back. He's there at the We airport. do. Hey, so one more that you didn't point out, our, our boy – uh, uh, Mo Judy Lamore says Zero is going to be in a Van Dam remake. That's one no. of the other uh, articles that's in there too. Yeah, yes. it's in the very it's it's on the Zava cover, I believe. All right. uh, but that's there another one go. to call out. But yeah, we get our Usty guy. And this is great because this is where we learn that Man City did, in fact, win their match with Liverpool. Now, okay, are you okay with, like, really the ussy guy announcing that to us? Were you okay with that? I'm fine with it because of what it's trying to say here, which, again, is kind of that – it doesn't really matter if they do win or not the championship of the premier league. They've won life really. And look, I know that is cheesy as hell to say guys. It's very, very cheesy to say, but I mean, again, it is just kind of trying to subvert the expectations. You don't always have to win the big championship to win, you know, like, and so I think definitely just everybody's arriving at the place where they need to be. Um, But the fact that Ted's going to comment on that when he gets on the plane as well, um, though, it does kind of go there. Um, but you know, Ted does say that he's going home for good. Um, and my, maybe what my favorite little throwaway line in this whole episode is Craig, did you catch this one here? Like when they're saying bye to each other, literally the kid says what he always says, which he says wicked. And as Ted, as he's walking, Oh by, yeah, Ted of course says, I caught kinky this. Boots. Come on. <laughs> Ted says kinky yeah. boots. Cause of course musicals people. 
Absolutely. Wicked. Kinky boots. I love it Kinky immediately. Boots. Yeah. Well, we're not done yet. At the gate, Rebecca is there waiting for him. Uh, she buys a ticket literally just to see him off. And they share some little banter here, but eventually they both say thank you to each other at the same time. And then they say it one at a time to each other. And Craig, I don't know about you, but I was feeling every bit of this. Yeah, same here. I uh, Again, it's kind of like that scene earlier where they're sitting in those iconic chairs that we see uh roy and ted talking about ted getting the bad news of like roy kent needing to sit out of the the final match um and like we see that acting go on in that setting and now we see it in the airport uh these two just hannah and jason have such good chemistry together and uh the the acting is just marvelous in this and this is another i'm sure this is another cry counter for mark i mean it was for me like <laughs> this, this was so heavily emotional to see these two together like that yeah so as ted enters the plane uh beard is with him he has the, basically the same conversation they have on the plane in the very first episode which is like are we nuts for leaving um because we came so close to winning everything and beard is starting to get emotional here he tells him like he can't go he's in love with jane and he doesn't want to leave he also though doesn't want to let him down or abandon ted um and ted tells him he's not he says it's okay um, but he doesn't think they're going to let him off the plane now that the door's closed. So he splashes water on his face and claims that his appendix is bursting. He winks as they uh, wheel him out. And the flight attendant asks Ted if he wants to go to the hospital with him. And he's like, nah, I'm fine. And she literally walks away saying, what an asshole he is, which is pretty fantastic here. But before any of that happens, Craig, we've got our answer. What is Beard's first name, my man? Willis. Willis Come on. Beard. I kind of like it. It fits. It fits. And now his beard is last name, though. We still don't know that. I'm going to assume it's Willis Beard, which is because it's just a fantastic name. Um, but okay. Okay. definitely could have been a general in the uh, Civil War. Um, but uh, this is a really, really fun little uh, moment here that, that they get to share. Um, and of course, as we all suspected, Beard is, in fact, staying uh, there in England. Um, and so now, you know, I'd always said that I wanted um, the final song of Ted Lasso to be Guiding Light by Mumford and Sons. Um, if I couldn't have that. Cat Stevens' father and son is a pretty damn good backup. Uh, this song is incredibly emotional as it starts playing here. And we get to see a giant montage of things. Um, and so I don't know if I want to say this beforehand or afterhand, but like, let's just kind of go through what some of these are because it, it's important to see um, at the end of this theory I'm going to give out to you. So we see Rebecca walking out. She sees a little girl running towards her. The little girl falls down, and as she helps her up, she sees that her father comes up behind her, and it's the damn floating Dutchman. He's back. And as uh, one of our friends called out, now officially the flying Dutchman because he, he is, is a flying a Dutchman now, yeah. <laughs> he is a pilot, but he is there, and she finally tells him her name. Now, we don't learn his, but it appears that maybe this is the family that she is now going to have being a mother to this little girl and the man she had such a connection with um on the plane ted opens keely's gift and it's literally the richmond snow globe she was going to give to barb before barb decided not to leave back in the office trent is wearing his golden girls t-shirt that's his final t-shirt of the series here um and he sees a beer's manuscript with like many edits it's got little flag like like uh, paper flags and stuff in there and it says just a few thoughts but then he sees ted's notes uh to his book and ted tells him that he loves it and he says in the margin one small suggestion i'd change the title it's not about me it never was ted 
What was happening to you when you read this, Craig? Because I, again, lost it. Well, it's just a message to all of us, you know? I mean, it, it really is in a lot of ways. Like that this show has become so much more than Ted Lasso. And in this season, even there's been gripes and complaints that Ted has become more of a tertiary character, mm -hmm. but it's because we've fallen in love so much with these other characters and yeah. these other relationships. So we also have such an investment that we want to see them either uh, succeed or, or we want to see their triumphs and their defeats. And we are covering them too. And like, you know, it's a joke that like we had to have a preliminary Emmy um, for Ted Lasso actors to just get <laughs> into the main event because they all deserve one. Like, you know, it, it, it wasn't ever about, it was never about Ted. And in a way it was never about Jason Sudeikis. And I think that that's uh, what he's telling us here. Yeah. And I think it's also a message to us fans. It's just like, you know, and it's what like Jason or James told us that Jason told everybody at the end. And it's just like, it's time to carry it forward. You know, <laughs> like it's not, mm -hmm. we, we don't have to live in this space anymore. Now we can take this message, take these vibes, take these feelings and take them out and make the world a better place. Um, and yeah. you know, that's a message to us. So um, as we keep going here, we see the KJ. Well, real quick, I, I did want to point out, uh, Mark mentioned it in the chat here, but I did also just see it in our PBB Facebook page as well, that uh, people are surmising that the same little girl who played young Rebecca is also the flying Dutchman's daughter as well. Yeah, I'm unsure, but I, I see possibly. Um, I mean, it definitely looks, the they look similar. I'd have to look at the credits and whatnot, but that's something that uh, is certainly brought up so maybe mark can tell me if that's confirmed in the chat or if that's still speculation at this point uh he can do my research for me yeah. <laughs> thank you buddy i appreciate what it are, but what go ahead continue for? on we're almost through this episode and then we got to get to our segment buddy i'm looking at our time we have already gone 104 minutes on this thing this is incredible <laughs> we're going still there okay so we see the kjrp is now kb P or KJPR is now KBPR. So obviously Keely and Barb now partners in their PR firm. And it looks like the old crew is back together and working like a charm. I definitely saw Dan uh, there. So he's at least back. Um, Rebecca back at the uh, Nelson road welcomes the new manager, Roy freaking Kent. He is the new manager of AFC Richmond. And in the office, Roy hangs a picture of some of the breasts that Phoebe drew in season two, but with a little piece of tape over like the nipple region, just like Ted was doing to Keely's picture in Jamie's locker in the first episode. Uh, pretty fantastic there. Um, Nate, uh, we see, is sharing a meal with his family, including Jade at Taste of Athens, and they got the window table, all of them there in the window table. Uh, and they look so there. happy. They do. His uh. dad walks up and pats him on the back. It looks like everything is right there. His dad seems so proud of him. Sam, we learn, has indeed made the Nigerian national football team, and he is beaming with pride as he poses for a picture. Um, this one killed me, Craig. Jamie uh, goes to see his dad in rehab and they're sharing some memories over some pictures um, and it definitely looks like both of them have arrived at a good part um, and then we see the team sharing a cookout together now was this the Higgins house I, I'm guessing that it was because they were cooking on the grill I think Higgins was um, in mm -hmm. this but basically the whole team is here including the Flying Dutchman and his daughter they're there um, and now it seems like if this is the Higgins home it's bigger and more popular than ever with the team um, and then as we go back to the crown and anchor, Jeremy and Baz and Paul, we see have purchased one share of the team and we learn their last names. What do you think of these last names here, Craig? Quite flowery, right? I am guessing. Man. What was it? Primrose and Jer uh, so Jeremy Blumenthal, Baz Primrose Blumenthal. and Paul LaFleur. 
Yes, I love it. Pretty I love fantastic it. stuff hey, here. We're we're okay with the Lafleurs over yeah, here. With the and, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> In Packer country, yeah. Uh, well, we also see there that May has bought a ton more shares than the boys had. So, um, and then we get this great nod, Craig, to the Cheers finale. If none of you have watched the TV series Cheers. Please, it's one of the best comedies of all time. But we get this great little nod here because May reaches up to adjust the portrait of the uh, N- Native American chief Geronimo um, on the wall. And this is, of course, a nod to the final episode of Cheers where Sam, um, before he delivers his iconic line of sorry, we're closed, um, he adjusts the same picture of Geronimo on the wall. And for those of you who don't know the show, there was an actor on the show in the first couple of seasons, Nicholas Colasanto, who played the character of Coach. He actually died in the middle of filming, I believe, season three of the show um, but that picture of Geronimo was something that he had um, with him all the time in his dressing room and um, it was kind of like a way in that episode for um, Ted Danson to kind of pay homage to Nicholas Colasanto there at their final episode so a wonderful little callback there and of course the reason why we think this is relevant is because Jason's uh, uncle is in fact George Wendt who played Norm on uh, Cheers so maybe a direct callback there uh, who absolutely knows there we also see Trent is holding Holding a book signing for now what's called the Richmond Way um, at the bookstore. Um, and we also see if you look underneath there, it literally says like with a very short forward by Roy Kent. So that's pretty fantastic. Um, then we see Keeley bringing Rebecca a proposal in her office for starting a Richmond women's team, which is awesome. This is something a lot of clubs Spin-off? are doing. Spin-off, perhaps. Who knows there? Um, we then see Roy looking at an army man on a desk, and we see that this is Sharon's desk, and that she is uh, having a session with him, as she is now the head of mental health and emotional well-being for AFC Richmond. So Sharon has once again landed there at Nelson Road. And then, finally, we see Nate pasting the Believe sign back together, and he and Beard and Roy hang it in its rightful spot above the coach's office um and as the last thing we see there as well is that jane and beard are getting married at stonehenge the entire team is there jane looks like she's pregnant um and we see that um also the couple from beard after hours is here the ones who uh, give him the pants and that are trying to conceive a baby and we see that they have a baby now and they're at bearded jane's wedding lots of stuff there craig what do you think of all of these things before i ask you my big question holy moly you put you 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 put me on the spot for everything here yeah. i mean it was Do just it all, like man. so so much uh that went on in those little montages and those little scenes it seemed like they they did they tried to help us wrap up a lot of these loose ends the ones that stuck out to me that mattered a ton sam making that nigerian team i don't know what happened to edwin akufu uh here but hopefully was, he's not uh, a billionaire happy. anymore <laughs> Yeah, I was very happy to see that. Uh, Nate at Taste of Athens in the window seat with his entire family, and they're all celebrating because we know that uh, Nate's family really goes there for special occasions as well. That um, meant an awful lot to me. Maybe an engagement perchance. Yeah, maybe. And of course, putting the belief sign back together. Those were the ones that like really hit me in in the feels. But I don't know, Jeremy, this is where you and I go into a slight conspiracy theory land, because are you about to tell me that perhaps none of this is real? Here's why. Okay. I'm going to, I don't know if this is true. I want these, this to all be real. This is what happened to these characters in here. But when we see Beard and Jane's wedding, Ted isn't there. He's nowhere to be found. And so and he'd be I, there. Find, I find, I mean, everyone weird. is there. The, the, the redheaded lady and like the guy who I thought was, 
was Brett Goldstein and <laughs> <Yeah>. makeup. <laughs> we're we're bo- both there, you know? Yeah. So this is a theory that Sarah told me. I don't know if she got it online or something like that, but could it be that because right after we see this wedding scene is when Ted kind of jolts awake on the airplane, could this be what Ted hopes happens to these people? after he leaves AFC Richmond, after he leaves England to go home, could we be seeing what Ted hopes is going to happen with all these people as opposed to what really happens with them? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I can see that. You know, it, it's very clear to me that, um, that this is a distinct possibility because of the way that they filmed it and like the way that he wakes up when he lands in the States and uh the especially the beard's wedding thing kind of has this filter on it in a way that yeah. makes it seem like it's in a dream state more so than some of the others that happen and you know like these are things that like we as fans wish would happen but we're not necessarily like again like how does sam make the nigerian team if edwin akufu is still out there and he is uh trying to block him and uh, at every pass you know mm-hmm. like they're there's things that happen in here that you can see as very reasonable to happen, but I don't know, man. I, I think yeah, it's a, I don't think it's, it's at least, it's at least worth like thinking. I mean, I don't want it to be true. And, and in my mind, it doesn't have to be true, No, but I think it's at least worth discussing for sure. I think it's one of those things that would be like, if you want to go down that road, you can. And I don't think it cheapens anything because at the very least, like what if it is like Ted dreaming of what he hopes happens to these people? That's a wonderful dream. You know, it's a wonderful dream of like seeing all these people like experience their happiness in the ways that they want to. Um, and if you want to go down that road, fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing that's inherently going to like cheapen it if you want to believe that. I'm with you, though. I personally want to think like this is what happens to them. And the whole beard thing. I don't know. Maybe he just couldn't get away. Maybe the camera is Ted in that situation and he's just looking out at everyone. I don't know. Um, But it is interesting. Like him not being at Beard's wedding is a very interesting thing there. So I'll leave it to you, the listeners, but let's wrap this thing. Oh, well, we have a listener comment that I'd like to read you out of the chat. Now um, I am so sorry. I, I would try to pronounce your name and I would absolutely butcher it. So my apologies uh, in advance for not saying your name. Um, But it says when Ted was in the altered state in Amsterdam, he saw Nate as a waiter. He's reading a book on hallucinogenics on the plane. Maybe he's seeing the future. Oh, premonitions we already have one of those with tish this year i like that theory too yeah and then carol thinks that it's real though um uh brandon uh actually okay so brandon davis is watching along with us thanks brandon for staying up with us late goodness gracious brandon has a uh, this is like personal life of front row host. Hopefully he's okay with me saying this. Brandon starts a new job tomorrow. He needs yeah. to go to bed. But uh, so Brandon says Keeley snow globe could be an homage to the St. Elsewhere, Elsewhere finale. Meaning none of it happened. No, 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 no. We're not going down that road. That is one of the most notorious finales of a series of all time. We are not going down that road. Um, all right. You ready to wrap this thing up, Craig? Um, Ted, he is awakening on the airplane as he's landing. 
driving. Um, he drives home. The music is literally swelling there, and it literally builds to its biggest crescendo as Henry just bursts through the door, um, running out to meet him. Ted is finally home. His love story is complete. He is back with the love of his life, Henry Lasso. Michelle is also there greeting him at the door. We don't see Dr. Jacob. Who knows? Who even cares? Ted is back home where he needs to be <laughs> with his son. Who cares? Um, they do go inside as the camera pans up, and when we pan back down, we see that Ted is now coaching Henry's under soccer team. Um, Henry misses an open kick and uh, is very hard on himself. He call- Ted calls him over and asks him, hey, what do we say? And Henry says back to him, what well, we tell you guys at the end of every episode, be a goldfish. And Ted looks at the field, and he looks like he is finally at peace. And our boy Ted Lasso is all done. Craig, thoughts on the that final last shot? Teams? It's that last shot from the beginning to the end of the season. Ted We've got Ted, such a people. disheveled. We've got such a disheveled looking Ted Lasso at the beginning of the season, seeing his son leave him. And now we have a, a content Ted Lasso uh, coaching his son's team and being them for, there for him. Number nine, Henry Lasso, mm-hmm. of course, because mm-hmm. his favorite player going all the way back to season one, Mr. Jamie Tart. So uh, I like that little touch that they had there too. This is like, this is the most the most nitpicky thing I could possibly say about this last moment, but I did kind of wish that be a goldfish was the last thing said. Uh, We do, we get like a, we get like a get back out there boy from Ted. And then we get like a, Come on, Henry, let's go. And then that's the end of the, the series. Right, it's tertiary, man. Be a goldfish is the last line. We're just going to call it. Uh- <laughs> I get that. And I mean, it, it may be a bit on the nose is what the, you know, uh, what the writers or even the editors thought. Uh, we'll have to maybe, we have so many questions that we're going to ask AJ and Mel. But oh my God. What a... What an absolutely beautiful finale. It's a beautiful I mean, finale, um, guys. I know we're going to get into Tedisms here, but I just... Oh gosh, they stuck the landing in so many ways for me. I had uh, very few uh, criticisms of this mm-hmm. finale. I know that some people out there won't be happy about it, um, but I certainly am. And uh, gosh, I, I put it, you know, my, my status last night at or this morning, I guess, because Apple was cruel to us and, and <laughs> uh, moved this back three hours just for funsies. Um, but my status was just, thank you, Jason. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, Thank you for this art that we were all able to experience. And thank you for this show that taught us how to believe. And this show that told us we shouldn't fight back. We should fight forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and just all of these Tedisms that we now know and love, uh, the idea of being a goldfish and being able to uh, move forward, onward forward, mm-hmm. you know, all of these that uh, this show brought us just uh, incredible incredible stuff and i thought it was a brilliant finale i'm right there with you i'll give my final thoughts here in a little bit but i want to let larry out of his cage i think it's time for some tedisms craig what do you think yep let's do it this is like the slowed down version (laughs) for each week we share biscuits truth (laughs) i don't know why it's so slowed down (laughs) Maybe it's because, like all of us, we want to stretch out this episode so that it never ends. Um, we are we are almost right at the two hour mark already, and we're maybe just Larry's now getting just into really really tired. Um, all right, Craig, why don't you hit us off here? 
All right. Uh, so let me get into my Tedisms doc here. Got so many good ones throughout mm-hmm. this episode. Um, I loved actually one of the first one for me was uh, from Tyrion Rhee. And uh, it said, this is at Soccer Saturday. And they were talking about how um, they had all predicted Richmond to come in 20th and to come in last yeah. and be relegated. And then Tyrion says, sorry, Gary, I only remember my victories. I have no room in my brain for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Henry is That's great in this entire series. The limited parts that he's there, he's got a lot of uh, personality. But of course, I just have to go and like shut up, Terry Henry. <laughs> like, I absolutely, <laughs> I need that on a T-shirt. Patrick, make it happen, man. Absolutely. Uh, you got to the next one. Yeah, well, I just love Trent's little line here when he gives out his uh, manuscript. He says, I won't, like, telling him, like, if there's anything they uh, want taken out. And he's like, I won't take it out, but I'm more than willing to tell you why you're wrong. I love it, man, Trent being the catty little bitch. Absolutely. I had another one. I loved the um, I loved the play. Like, we got to get a Jane Payne here. Uh, so when Beard walks in and says, sorry for all the noise, and then Jane walks in right behind and goes, morning, nerds. You're welcome for, <laughs> for all, all the, the noise. noise. <laughs> And then I, you said it earlier, uh, but you know, the, the reviewer that said we take our Tedisms uh, too much, but I did like the uh, Ted saying to Beard, good thing you have dual citizenship. And he says, actually triple Vatican city is a country, baby. Baby. Yes, indeed. Uh, when Trent tried to freak out on me about uh, reading his book, he says, look, like Trent, I know folks are divided on the actual police these days, but all human beings are opposed to the laugh police. <laughs> Excellent. I, I love that too. That was fantastic. Um, and then the next one I had was from Leslie Higgins. You made reference to this one, oh. but he's talking about the heated seats and he says, Oh, they're amazing in February. You see, I accidentally <laughs> turned mine on last summer and it nearly melted my bottom crack together. My bottom crack. <laughs> British listeners, please let me know. Is Do that you how call you it that? your bottom crack? Is that, how Is you that a it? thing? Please. You need to immediately message me on Facebook or something and let me know, okay? Because I need to know, is bottom crack a thing? Because I love it. Yeah, exactly. Well, one here from the emotional scene with Jason and Hannah. She says, but I just want you to consider the possibility that this is your home. Man, that one got me. That got me so hard. And, of course, just all the ones we already said, would you please stay? I just had to try. Uh Oh, I, it's funny because you're taking some of the more heartbreaking, serious ones, but I wanted to go back to uh, Rebecca and her mom with May and uh, May asks what she would need or what Rebecca's mom needs. And she says, I just want some peace of mind for my daughter and all of her generation. And then May responds with, oh, it must be so awful for him lying there at night, haunted by how fucking <laughs> easy they've had it. Like <laughs> yep pretty good. Oh, god i love that um and then i also love at the end of the really emotional scene with rebecca and ted um and rebecca says that she is gonna be traveling abroad or thinking about it and he yeah. she goes you know i i was thinking i should travel abroad and then uh ted goes oh like eat pray love style and she goes more like drink, drink sleep, sleep fuck, fuck. <laughs> The sequel we all need to see, everyone. <laughs> Pretty fantastic. Um, I jumped straight down into the um, the Diamond Dog scene there, but um, you know, like Trent's line, legitimately is, I don't think we can, I don't think we change per se, as much as we just learn to accept who we've always been. Pretty fantastic. But you want to take Higgins's truth bomb there verbatim? Oh man, um, 
let me see. So I have it all written out here. It says human beings are never going to be perfect, Roy. Best we can do is keep asking for help and accepting it when we can. And if we keep doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. God, like that man. is that, Ugh. that, I mean, really like that epitomizes Ted Lasso in a couple of sentences there, almost better than anything else that's been said by any other character in all three seasons of this show. It's yeah. just remarkable for real though. Uh, I got to call out uh, sassy again, but in all seriousness, I do wish you the best because you are the fucking worst. Um, <laughs> amazing there. But then it's straight up just like old school Tedism here when he's talking about uh, right before the match, he says, cause I'm like Michael flatly at 1159 PM on St. Patrick's day. I'm all tapped out. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I During part of Ted's big speech, when he says, we don't know the future. No, no, we want to be here right now. Mm. That's, you know, living in the moment, be a goldfish. That's, that's the kind of like mm-hmm. growth mindset that uh, the positive psychology that's coming back into and has always been a foundational bedrock of Ted Lasso. Yeah, so I'm saving the big end of that one for the very last one because I think that's exactly the Tedism we need to end on. But um, uh, I get I that. Do, I won't say it then. Yeah, I do like uh, when he and Rebecca are talking at the airport, though. She says, well, Ted, you're going home to your family, and I actually want to stay with mine. Ugh. Mm. Uh, oh, man. I think it I think it bears repeating at the end of the match. I, I know I just said it, but Keely saying, look what you did. And then uh, Rebecca immediately responding, saying, I didn't do that. And then, of course, her other best friend, Sassy, saying, you fucking did. And fucking like, did, no, man. I mean, of course she did. Like this, she had this scheme, right? This this major league subplot uh, that we all have talked about and know about. But even in the bad decision making she was in the bad way that she was going about that because she wanted to hurt Rupert she still did something great and uh, she was able to change amongst herself too uh, and be able to show that growth just uh, this show is so beautiful amazing amazing stuff you got any more before I hit the last one here We've already talked about him. I had wicked kinky boots. And then I also, of course, had Henry Lasso saying, be a goldfish. But why don't you hit him with the last Tedism? The last Tedism of our recap pods. My God. Well, if it's going to be that, it's the one we have to end on. I know folks like to say there's no place like home. And that's true. But there ain't a whole lot of places like AFC Richmond either. And my God, Craig, I'm crying right now. (laughs) Like just saying the line. Oh, oh buddy, what a what an amazing ride this has been. You yeah, know, I yeah. mean, just um we are going to continue this show. And it I just want to express so much gratitude mm-hmm. to anybody out there that could be listening. Again, I know uh, just by the, the way that these things work, that this will be uh, our most downloaded episode and that uh, we might lose some folks after this. So just thank you for the opportunity to share uh, our thoughts on these episodes with you. If there happens to be anybody in the creative team of this show, thank you for allowing uh, us to continue doing what we have been able to do and uh, to be able to see this art uh, for what it is and to be able to break it down and and to have such interesting uh, things that we can talk about week in and week out 
with this show. I talked so much about how this show got me through the pandemic. It got me into running. Um, and now, uh, guys, it's really gotten me through a divorce, you know? And so, like, this show means so much to me and to so many other people out there. And uh, to have been able to share some of that with you and for you to listen to us um, is just something that I am forever grateful for. So thank you to all of you out there uh, for listening to us. Yeah, I can't say it much better. Um, we love every one of you. Um, and yeah, um, you know, we we love podcasting and, and breaking down art that means a lot to us. So we're going to keep doing that no matter what, whether with the Front Row Network, NPR Illinois, whether on this podcast feed or another one. Um, but I feel like the community that Lasso has brought together is really just made the world a better place. It's made my world a better place. It's made, I'm sure all of you listening, uh, your world a better place. And man, how rare is it for a piece of art to do that? Um, especially in today's, you know, pop culture climate, unabashedly positive, unabashedly, um, kind and curious and not judgmental. This show, I think, is going to live forever, um, not just because of how good it is, but because of the message it gives us and the hope that it gives us. Um, so, again, you already said it, but Jason, Brett, Joe Kelly, um, you know, Nick Muhammad, Bill. Bill Lawrence, everybody who wrote or did anything for this show. Man, you guys made an impact in this world, and I hope that you know that every single time you watch an episode or any every single time you see a comment online, um, you've made a world of difference to these two podcast hosts, so thank you very much. But hey, folks, we're not done. We're going to keep going again. We're going to be talking to Mel and AJ here next week. It's going to be fantastic. As, send us the questions you want to know because now you've seen the whole series. So I imagine we have a ton that we can get to them. But oh, my course. gosh. This is going to be such a fun episode, guys. I love these two. Uh, the fact that they've listened to some of our recent episodes uh, after post-production wrapped and everything. And they've been we've been emailing back and forth. And they've uh, put in bits of uh you know, pieces of things from the show into our Facebook page and everything else. I cannot wait to talk to these two. So we're going to start a thread for sure, uh, getting your questions and trying to get as many of those answered. So make sure you do join the peanut butter and biscuits Facebook page, because we're going to continue that positive community over there, even if the show is uh, not going to be returning or, or will. And, you know, who knows, maybe it does return at some point and you know that we'll be coming running back to our microphones. But as we mentioned at the beginning, we are going to continue this show with, um, following through shrinking. And so we're going to keep it on this exact same feed. We're going to kind of change and maybe alter the title just a little bit. Uh, I think uh, PBB shrinks makes a whole lot of sense for so that the logo particular just has to be really tiny on the, on the I'm see what I was thinking is uh, the logo can be like our little guys, very tiny next to like a very gigantic, <laughs> like movie style shrinks. That's what I'm thinking. Mm, um, and now mm. I'm not the graphic designer. So Jeremy go out and do that for oh, me, but yeah. uh, mm. I'm excited to bring that to you. We do also, so we know that we owe you a West Wing episode for uh, for making that Facebook page happen, and we will absolutely get that to you too. So there's a lot more content coming from uh, Peanut Butter and Biscuits. And just again, thank you so much to all of you for following along. And uh, we can't say it enough. You're you're all amazing. So thank you. Here, here. All right. If you want to find more from us, go to the Front Row Network on Facebook, or of course Peanut Butter and Biscuits on Facebook, Instagram Peanut Butter Biscuits Time, or PBBFRN on Twitter, and of course you 
can always find us at our NPR home, nprillinois.org slash program slash front dash road dash network. Um, all right, folks, we've been talking for a long time. My voice is given out. We will see you again really, really soon. But until then, so long, farewell for Peanut Butter and Biscuits. I'm Jeremy Geckner. I'm Craig McFarland. And as always, everyone, and as Henry Lasso says, be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. Onward, forward. Onward and forward. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.